Yeah, not too bad. Excited for another episode of Chain Wrestling. Mate, I haven't been this excited in, in a long, long time for an episode of Chain Wrestling. I'm excited every week. Don't get me wrong, I love doing the show. But I'm I'm proper excited like this week. I was just saying a shout. Did it? Yeah, I am, mate. I'm buzzing. I've had a good day as well, mate. I've had a good day as well. We'll oh, get to that in a minute. We've got a great non-wrestling topic. The wrestling match for the, the wrestling section of the show is good as well. I've got an absolute belter of a link. An absolute belter of a link. That's probably not going to okay. win because everyone goes, eh, yeah, yeah. But, it's, yeah, but I like it. And yeah. You've won the last four. Even, oh. my, even my Hall of Lane, it, I'm really happy about it as well, mate. I'm, I'm loving it, mate. Wow. So it should be a, a very, very good episode then. Either that or I'm just, you know, full of... You know, my over egg the pudding hype, yeah. And people are going to listen or watch and be like, nah, fuck that shit, that was crap. <laughs> well, to, to kind of take the, the, the tone down a little bit, um, this past few days has been pretty rough for the world of wrestling. Uh, unfortunately, we've we've uh lost two uh huge characters, uh. In, in definitely in our lifetime of wrestling and, and really kind of hit the, the world of professional wrestling referees pretty hard this week. Um, unfortunately, uh, both Dave Hebner and Tim White um, have, have passed away over the past week. And yeah, it's really, really sad because they, the referees uh, doesn't always get the respect that they should. Uh, they are essential kind of third man for dictating the, the pace of a match. Uh, and Tim and, and Dave were among two of the best to, to ever do it. Uh, so it's a, a big, big loss to the, the wrestling um, community. We've ragged on Dave a lot on this show for, for his, uh, his uh, very suspicious antics with uh, with. Uh, no. Uh, bootleg t-shirts and stuff like that but the fact is he was uh, a major part of, of the the WF he was uh, integral in in the the whole um Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant stuff um where he was the the good guy referee who'd been uh, locked in the cupboard by by his brother Earl obviously uh, worked for WWE for 30 years plus then went on to to TNA and Tim White we've also mentioned quite a lot because of uh 
obviously the the, the lunchtime suicide skits that he did with uh, Josh Matthews, but also he was heavily involved with Andre the Giant. Uh, he worked a, uh, for a long time as, as almost as his agent, almost as his manager. Uh, but yeah, these are two big big losses for the for the uh, the wrestling world, and yeah, it's it's sad to see him go. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And I I hope. Well, I know I speak for chain wrestling and the cwf as a whole when we send our thoughts and our well wishes to their friends their family their fans as well i guess mm-hmm. very sad and it's a shame it's, it's crazy isn't it? how these things tend to happen in groups you know this is like yeah. two in a couple of days and and it's, it's strange how that sort of thing does tend to happen but yeah very sad very sad um yeah god bless them both mags you mate yeah, god bless absolutely. them both absolutely so then i suppose uh we better start the show Good evening, good evening, good morning, wherever and whenever you may be listening or watching from. This is Chain Wrestling Live with Mags and Sai, a Radio Techers production. I am Sai, and with me, as always, is the Demolition Crash to my Road Warrior draws, the Repo Man to my Black Top Bully. <laughs> After all, it is Barry Darso Appreciation Day, a podcaster who is the founding and so far only member of the Mr. Hole in One Club. Podfather Mags, how are we doing, sir? All hail Barry Darso. Yeah, this <laughs> this for me was a, a week where I didn't mind who won because we were all going to be treated to some Barry Darso love. Yeah, it's been a uh, a fun weekend. I had a, a birthday party for for one of the granddaughters here, so yeah, that was a uh, hectic and fun. But we had great weather and everybody had a good time. So yeah, it's not been a bad weekend all told. And, how 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 better can it get than than starting the the week with with chair wrestling with uh, with all the lovely folks uh, in the CWF? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. A little bit, uh, maybe a couple missing tonight from our usual group. Mister Matt Willis is otherwise engaged and says he's going to mm-hmm. catch us on the podcast version later in the week. Dan Griffin is out on the piss in Chester with some of his mates. Poor poor Dan. Well, yeah, we did say before the show, you know, what what's in Chester? And we said, well, Hollyoaks is filmed there, isn't it? So it's obviously full of absolute dicks. <laughs> you know? You have, your hatred of Hollyoaks is just unfounded. It's, mate, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. I can watch it with the sound off, because some of the ladies are nice to look at. <laughs> <laughs> it's, when they talk. <laughs> it's when they talk, they ruin it. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Oh, mate, I've had an absolutely fantastic weekend. Mm, yeah, I mean, from the minute we we came into the studio, you have been, you've been like a giggly little kid. So, come on, what's going on? Well, it just had a great weekend. Friday, I had a nice chilled one. Uh, Saturday, I went to Evolution Wrestling in Gloucester with my wife mm-hmm. and my two youngest. Really, really good show. Saw some great matches there. Saw Doug Williams wrestle. Uh, wrestle against Joel Redman, who, if people are unaware oh, of Joel wow. Redman, he was Oliver Gray in NXT. And he they, they wrestled a best two out of three fours match in the main event that I thoroughly enjoyed. 
really, really oh, cool. good evening. Had a brilliant recording for the Doctor Who pod yesterday afternoon with Dan Griffin. It was, I mean, put it this way, for those who listen to the Doctor Who pod, when the show ends, we don't really publicise it, but I suppose this is me publicising it now, I guess. When the show ends and the music finishes, I imagine most people skip on or whatever. We normally chuck our outtakes at the end there or anything that's happened pre-recording, post-recording. We normally just chuck them in there. This week, I had to, I was 10 minutes into the show and I already had six minutes cut out. Because, it just, <laughs> because it, it, I just couldn't stop laughing at some of the stupid stuff Dan was coming out with. And some of, some of the other things, we went on a tirade, all sorts of non... We, we get sort of sidetracked a little bit and I have to cut it down. And I just chuck the stuff on the end that I think, well, it made me laugh, so hopefully it'll make other people laugh. So I had a blast doing that. Oh, and today, uh, to, well, I had a great Father's Day as well. The wife made an absolutely banging curry. And that was lovely. Uh, and then today I went to work. It was a good day at work. And on the way home, there was a little baby on the bus who was really adamant they wanted to talk to me. So I was talking to a little baby and I saw a squirrel, mate. I like squirrels. So today's a good day. So, not you, on the bus. The you, squirrel wasn't you on the bus. Talk, you talk to a baby. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. No, yeah, that sounds like a really good day. And uh, I like your little suntanned rosy red cheeks as well. Yeah, we were talking about, I got a bit on my arms. Um, obviously it's a big sunny day you know and I'm waiting for the bus and I can feel myself getting getting heated up by the sun and the, my one cheek on this side here is slightly redder than the other and I think that's because I sat that side of the bus and that's where the sun was coming in because I'm on the bus for like well both bus journeys it's probably about an hour from when I finish to when I get home so it's a little while to be sat by the window I guess Magsy yep maybe next time switch sides or get onto one of, those seat, one of those seats where you're facing backwards if you, uh, we if haven't you got the, those. Oh, have they not come to Gloucester yet? No, not yet, mate. Not yet. Hey, we've got flash buses, mate. Some of our buses are stagecoach gold buses. Have you seen these? I haven't, no. No? I'm, I haven't been a bus wanker in about 25 years. You've got your ordinary stagecoach buses that are proper bone shaker pieces of crap. That There's no yeah. way they're safe. No way on earth they're safe. And what worries me is when these buses, they, they finally do deem unroadworthy, they sell them off to be school buses. So that's <laughs> you're gonna say that we get we get them in Gloucester. <laughs> no, no, no. But then the main routes, you get you get some main routes like the, the Gloucester, the Cheltenham one, the 94, and whatever. You get stagecoach gold. And it's like they've just got a little bit extra of these. So the seats are nice and comfy and a bit wider and stuff like that. You got a little plug so you can plug your phone in and charge your phone, and you got uh, um Wi-Fi on the bus and all that. The only issue is though. My work trousers at the moment, I'm, well, I'm wearing shorts. My work trousers, they're like the sort of, uh, you're just sort of cottony, sort of knock around the house jogging bottom material. These seats are like yeah. the fake leather plastic stuff. So I find myself just sliding in the seat. Because <laughs> I can't, I decide, and, I, and if they break suddenly, I slip off. I just go. Go on, off I go. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Wow. Wow. Sounds posh, though. It is, mate. What? First time I got on one, I was like, look at this. Have <laughs> I got on the wrong bus? <laughs> yeah. And, and you get like, uh, after a while, it gets bloody annoying. But you get the, um, it's like on the train. You've got like the, the electric, almost like what, what would be like an electronic scoreboard, I guess. That sort of digitized kind of uh, okay. image. Uh, yeah. And it's telling you what stop you're coming up to and all that. But then recently, oh, yeah. you started having an automated message when the bus gets to certain points in the road, because they're all tracked, didn't they, with Wi-Fi and all that sort of stuff. It goes, the next stop is Chosen Hill School. So like, like, a, like, like a train? 
yeah, like on a train. So, and the first time mm-hmm. I was on a bus and it was doing that, I was like, that's amazing. That's, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm blown away by yeah. the automated voices. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then, <laughs> but then when it, when, when you've experienced that for, like I said, I'm on the bus for over an hour. Well, I've, when you've experienced that for about 20 minutes, I'm starting to think, yeah, okay. I do know where I'm going though. I get yeah, this but bus not everybody every day, does. But, well, yeah, but I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not arsed by them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> brilliant. I got to keep no. turning my, 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 my headphones up all the time, so I can. You know, I'm listening to various parts. Listening to um, uh, Total Stevo's podcast on the way home today, okay. and I was turning it up and turning it up and turning it up because the bloody voiceover from the bus kept driving him out of my podcast, mate. Driving me mad. It, the driver might have been turning up louder and louder because he knew you were turning your headphones up. Oh, do you reckon? Yeah, a sneaky stagecoach bastard. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it don't matter how flash the buses are; they still don't freaking turn up. So, <laughs> you know, they're still late, or they, or they get cancelled all the time. So, yeah, I have not been on a bus in such a long time. Um, so, yeah, to get Wi-Fi on a bus—that's that's new to me. So, yeah, yeah that's cool. Good thing. Yeah, it's good. Uh, but like you said, there's no seats that turn around. So, if I want to even up the sunburn. I have got halfway through, jump to the other side. Or if the bus is busy, I suppose yeah, turn around and, sh- and, and kneel on the chair. Surely the sun wouldn't be shining through both windows at, at the same time. Yeah, but I'm obviously closer to one, aren't I? I don't sit in the fucking aisle, do I? No, I know. But if you swap sides to to the, the other side, there's been no sun there you know, because it's on the opposite side. What 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 do you think? Like the main route through Staverton is like one half of it is in complete darkness. So <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but the the sun wouldn't be on both sides of the bus, would it? No, but you know, the actual but, sun. Well, okay, fair enough. But at the same time, wouldn't it be better to go <laughs> the other side rather than just keep burning the one side? It would, but why do we get so fucking pedantic about very little <laughs> things on this show? <laughs> You're the one getting pedantic. <laughs> There's no sun on the other side. Well, why is it like eternal night in that side of Cheltenham? <laughs> yeah. I mean, with the way people from Cheltenham sound, I would not be surprised. Yeah, I don't like Cheltenham. <laughs> but that's, that's mainly a football thing, to be honest. So there we go. Uh, should we jump into the chat magazine and see who has jumped in to say hi? We've got a couple of messages there early on. Yes, we have uh, Dan telling us that he wouldn't be here, which is lovely. Uh, cool for him to, to let us know. Uh, Sharon's in. Uh, it's Monday. You know what that means. And a uh, good friend of the show and valued CWF uh, member, Scottish Danny. Hello, sir. And he's also uh, echoing what we said about uh, Tim White and, and Dave Hebner. Sharon confirming that you were that excited that you talked <laughs> to a baby on a bus and saw a squirrel. What a great day. Just that, that exclamation at the end. What a great day. I have talked to a baby and I've seen a squirrel. <laughs> it <weren't> like, <laughs> it's all coming upside. <laughs> it weren't like I just saw a squirrel. It weren't just running by. It like There's like a grass verge where I wait for the bus. So I sat down and the squirrel came right by me and stopped and was ferreting around. And, and talked to me. The squirrel yeah, I, also I spoke to a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> and Sharon laughing at you being called a bus wanker and, and also making a good point, being more pedantic than us, saying the bus turns, causing the sun to come in in all directions. But that also then brings another problem, Sharon, because... If the bus is turning, you'll have to keep switching from seat to seat to make sure he's catching the sun all the time. 
it's like when you when your toaster or your grill is like on its way out and it don't heat evenly and you got to keep yeah. moving the bread around <laughs> flipping the bread over and stuff like that to make sure your, your toast is done properly that's what i have to do with my face <laughs> <laughs> just put you in the toaster upside down yeah exactly exactly right. <laughs> uh, as i said as we started the episode we have got a bumper episode a great wrestling match to discuss well in my opinion a great wrestling match we'll find out if magazine agrees with me later on in the show a bumper chain wrestling non-wrestling topic to talk about and as i said some a, a great link coming up lots of stuff to go through lots of stuff to discuss mm-hmm. so i think we should get on with the show and chuck some some crap ideas some awful matches some awful gimmicks some shameful embarrassing characters into the chain wrestling hall of lame the Magsy, what are we getting rid of this week, my friend? Okay, so let's go on a, a, a little wrestling journey. Um, so f- from being a, a pretty young wrestling fan, one of my favourite um, events of the of the wrestling calendar was always King of the Ring. That kind of one-day competition of wrestling uh, was always something that, that really kind of uh, um, got me excited as a wrestling fan. Um, and you think of all the the years that the, the WWE has has done King of the Ring shows. We've had some major winners of that King of the Ring. You know, like the first ones, Don Morocco, Harley Race, Randy Savage has won it. Uh, Ted DiBiase, Bret Hart went back to back. Owen Hart, Stone Cold made his career from it. Um, People like Kurt Angle have won, Edge, Booker T. How can you forget Booker T as King of the Ring? Um, King Corbin, King Barrett, uh, William Regal. Going through the name, it, it's like a who's who of, of wrestling royalty. And then you get one stuck out. I, I, think, I, can, I, I think I can tell who's missing, but go on. So you get to 1994, Owen Hart really kind of helped uh, push him into the 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 upper mid card of of, um, of WWF 1996 you had Stone Cold which was the start of the path of the biggest star in wrestling that year in between though 1995 <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't go too well that was the year that we got King Mabel Okay, now, I was thinking of somebody else, but yes, this is awful. Go on. <laughs> so, who, who were you thinking of then? I was thinking of Billy Gunn. I know. I, actually, to I was watching some of the the nineteen ninety nine um, uh, SmackDown and Raws back uh, earlier this week, and I actually didn't mind the Billy Gunn winning it. I think it was a bit shitty how he got uh, buried by the Rock pretty much straight away. But at the time, it was it was. Uh, it was a bit a big star, so I didn't actually mind that. But Mabel, no, there was no mate. forgiving Mabel. Now Mabel winning it on his own is enough to go in the Hall of Lame. But I'm actually not putting just him in. I'm putting the whole 1995 King of the Ring event into the Hall of Lame. This was horrific. Um, <laughs> now. We know that the WWF round 1995 were a bit threadbare in terms of star power. Um, 
But going into this event, like the the TV uh, recordings and and the qualified matches, there were still some huge stars in there. You had uh, Razor Ramon uh, was 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 in there. Uh, Shawn Michaels was in there. Undertaker was in there. Owen and uh, David Boy Smith were in there. They wrestled to a time limit draw, which meant they both got uh, disqual. Uh, both got a. Uh, um, they both lost essentially and had to be replaced. Um, the problem with the show is Undertaker goes out pretty much first round to Mabel. Shawn Michaels goes out first round to uh, with a draw with Karma. And you get four Savio Vega matches on this show. Now, if you listen to uh, a change of uh, changing attitude, we praise Savio Vega all the time for being one of the kind of uh, underrated workhorses that is carrying that the wrestling in, in that era. But four Savio Vega matches in one day is is too many Savio Vegas matches. Um, too many even, in a month. <laughs> yeah, e- even his mum wouldn't want to watch four of those matches. So <laughs> yeah, the, so we end up with the the semi-finals of Mabel getting a bar to the final and the other semi-final being the Rode versus Savio Vega and Mabel ended up winning winning the show. So yeah, I'm going to have to put in this whole just just horrific, horrific pay-per-view. And I want to uh, leave it with uh, a review I found of it of, uh, on a cage match. It says, this is by a guy called Derek Joists, and he gave it a zero out of ten. And he said, surely this can't be as bad as its reputation, but unfortunately, it is. WWE's roster was thin at this point anyway, and several of its big stars weren't there. Most notably, Owen and David Boy, who, who had inexplicably fought to a draw in the qualifiers and were both eliminated. Add to that both Marcus and Undertaker going out in the first round, and Bret Hart farting in the awful Jerry uh, Lawler angle, and it's clear this tournament was actually meaningless. Add to that the complete absence of tart matches, and you are looking at something pretty unpromising. And then when Mabel went on to win the crown, but not even in the main event. It was clear this was a screw-up beyond any redemption. Not every match is terrible, but there is nothing that can make up for the complete lack of anything meaningful. Except for the later returns, this show may have been the worst of Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart's wrestling career. Not even they could save this. Wow. So yeah, a damning, a damning uh, rating for this this show. It's, it's cage match rating is less than one. That's how how pretty bad that this is so yeah i'm putting in the net hall of the 1995 king of the ring wow yeah see i've not watched that show in a long long time for obvious reasons but mabel yeah, winning it's king- terrible yeah exactly mabel winning king of the ring though led to him having a, a title shot against was diesel at SummerSlam that year and he broke diesel's back and it's just ah. Oh. I, I understand McMahon's obsessed with size. I understand Vince McMahon sees a, a big guy and thinks money, but even he must have looked at Mabel and gone, "Yeah, that's that's a stretch." Mm-hmm. And I mean, Razor Ramon, I think he got injured in uh, in his uh, qualifying match, so he had to be replaced. But you had Shawn Michaels in there who could have used that King of the Ring uh, moniker, but no. I mean, Savio Vega should have won it for the amount of fucking matches he had on the show. <laughs> but yeah, Mabel. Mabel as King of the Ring. Yeah, it was a ridiculous, oh, ridiculous shocking, thing to pick. Yeah. Yeah, no, a very, very worthy entrant into the Hall of Lame. 
That is. I mean, if, if Shawn Michaels can't save a show, then you know it's in, in trouble, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know Dan, it's in trouble. Dan Griffin's saying in the chat, Mabel was all right, but he was no viscera. <laughs> very, very true. <laughs> this is correct. This and is he's cor- certainly no Big Daddy V. No, definitely so, not. With the big smoking jacket. I could get on board with that. Biggest, the world's biggest love machine. Yeah, and Lillian Garcia was like obsessed with him. Obviously, storyline-wise, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying <laughs> Lillian Garcia. I'm not saying <laughs> Lillian Garcia's got some, <laughs> some sort of fetish for larger gentlemen or anything like that. But you know, hey, maybe she maybe, has. Maybe there's hope if for she all. has. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're listening, Lillian, uh, which of course she is, catch me on WhatsApp. <laughs> <laughs> Slip in our DMs, Lillian, all right. <laughs> you can sing me any anthem you want, love. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she can taste the, the people's strudel. Oh, dear me. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going back 10 years before you, Magsy. From 95, I'm jumping back into the mid-80s, literally the mid-80s, 1985. And I'm going to head across to Texas and world-class championship wrestling. And the famous family from Texas and world class, the Von Erich family. This is partially inspired by the news that they're making a new Von Erich film very soon about the family. And Zach Efron, sorry, is going to be part of this production one way or another. He's playing somebody in this, this story about the the Von Erich family and world-class wrestling and so on. So I'm quite looking forward to, to that coming out because I'm that whole, the, the whole historical you know, nature of that, that company and how things went and the disasters and, and the family issues and so on. I find it absolutely mm-hmm. fascinating. Yeah. However, there was one family member that caused more controversy than, than most, shall we say. When we had an issue with Mike Von Erich, who was very, very ill, he had, uh, I think it was toxic shock or toxic. There was something, something very wrong with him anyway. That meant he couldn't wrestle. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and of course, by the mid 80s, we'd already lost a few of the other Von Erich brothers as well. And the Von Erich name in world class was what sold tickets. Yeah. Fritz Von Erich, the owner of the company and the promoter and the father of the Von Erich boys, started scratching around thinking, what can I do? I haven't got any more sons. What can I do? So he decided to fabricate a Von Erich. I mean, you've got to bear in mind, in 85, WrestleMania 1 has happened. WrestleMania 2 has happened by this stage, because we're looking mid to late, Octo- mid to late 85. Uh, oh, dear, Sharon. Oh, dear. My wife in the chat there saying, Zach Efron, he passes the age test now so I can look. <laughs> Sharon, if you have to apply an age test, you shouldn't be looking. Mm, maybe I can't really judge that, mate. I had to look at how Kaylee, <laughs> that that Kaylee—I uh, can't pronounce her surname. Kaylee Kuoko was when uh, Big Bang started, just to make sure it was okay. But <laughs> but we'll skirt around. We'll, we'll leave that. We'll leave that. That's bad. Um, yeah. So Fritz von Erich decided he needed another von Erich, but he had none. He had he had no more sons left, and so on. What can he do to help his his dying company? The other territories were being bought out. World class was one of the last remaining ones in '85, along with Jim Crockett and a couple of others. But it was on its last legs and really struggling. Fritz von Erich came up with a wonderful idea of his brother Waldo von Erich having a son. Bearing in mind, Waldo von Erich wasn't even a von Erich; it was played by somebody else. 
Waldo von Erich's son, so in kayfabe, Fritz von Erich's nephew, was Lance von Erich. Somebody who had already wrestled and trained in world class under his real name. But this is the days of kayfabe and in Texas and world class especially, kayfabe was hugely, hugely respected still. The fans shit all over it. And this is one of the final nails in world-class championship wrestling from Texas. The, 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 it wasn't like now when you can turn around and have storylines with regards to this is such and such his brother or whatever. And everyone knew the crack. He was genuinely trying to pass off Lance Von Erich as a Von Erich when he wasn't mm-hmm. actually a Von Erich. This did not last very long at all. The fans crapped all over it. Pretty much every wrestler on the roster, apart from the individual who played Lance himself, didn't want this to happen because they could predict what was going to happen. And the crowds, rather than rising with the new Von Erich coming in to battle against the Freebirds and so on, they, they dipped more and more and more. And the fans actually then saw the Von Erichs as liars. There's, there's you know letters into wrestling magazines around this time, um, having a massive go at the Von Erich family because they they're not, they're not seeing it as oh, it's, it's a kayfabe storyline. They're saying, we know this guy is not a Von Erich. They are lying to us. So that it, was, it was hugely offensive to the world-class fans. Uh, Lance, it didn't last long. A few months in that territory. Moved on mm-hmm. elsewhere. Wrestled for a few more years, then retired. But yeah, my entrance into the Chain Wrestling Hall of Lame this week is Lance Von Erich trying to be passed off as a Von Erich and helping to kill world-class championship wrestling because it was an embarrassing storyline, mate. Yeah, I, I believe he got the last ever NWA world title shot as well. From world class? From world class, yeah. Yes, before he wrestled the NWA player. said, yeah. Before the NWA said, nope, we're not having none of this bullshit again. Uh, so, yeah, yeah he, he brought down the, the promotion. Well, obviously, it wasn't his doing. He only was uh, doing what he was paid to do. But, yeah, it was the 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 pretty much the, the death knell for the promotion. Mm. Um yeah, great pick. I mean, perfectly in your wheelhouse as well. Yeah, I love all those sorts of days. And, and again, the whole, there's a documentary. There's a great documentary on YouTube, right, World Class. That's fantastic. But also the, the, the documentary on the WWE Network, which can also always be a little bit, I don't know how you'd word it, revisionist, I suppose, with regards to the history WWE tell. It's still quite good, the WWE documentary, as is the AWA one they have. <laughs> the I think it's the... Uh, triumph and, uh, and disaster or something like that of the of world-class championship wrestling um yeah. and it's, it's well worth a watch and it tells the sad story of the von eric boys and then passing away young numerous suicides in the family and so on it's well worth a, a couple of hours of your time to just look into this and then if that's a starting point for people who are new to world-class check out some of the shows on the network with the von erics facing the three birds and so on there is some great stuff there and red hot crowds red hot crowds yeah, and we've mentioned uh, on this uh, podcast multiple times just how almost cursed that family was. Uh, yeah. Such wrestling talent in it, but um, a lot of mental health issues. And obviously, back in 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 those days, it it wasn't a thing. You just mm-hmm. you just got on with it and, and dealt with it. And obviously, uh, they can't. So yeah, such a a snake bitten curse family, and it's uh, such a shame because there was so much wrestling talent there. Um, Lance, uh, obviously, not part of that. 
No, no, definitely not. But there we go. That is the Hall of Lame for this week. We have the whole of King of the Ring 1995 and Lance von Eric as your entrance. Maxi, I've just realized that the way we've got our backdrop on the screen and the way we've got our heads positioned, I'm basically balancing on Jim Neidhart's cock this week. <laughs> and I am balancing on Brett's. I mean, Jim's cock is way more pronounced than Brett's. Yeah, I'm, I'm literally teetering on the anvil, aren't I? You know? <laughs> Do you think he padded it? Do you think that that's padded? Because it looks I'd, very uh, round. It looks very There's central no, as well. Yeah, that that feels like there's a ball of socks there. And I love his I love his cute pink I don't even want to say hat. Like Yamaka. Yeah, it's like a weird little cap thing going on there, isn't it? Um, I mean we'll come to it we'll come to it in the match as well. (laughs) But Bret Hart has his hair tied back with a pink hairband for part of it. He certainly does. And he doesn't take his own sunglasses off, which is also weird. Mm, Yeah. But we will come to that. We will come to that. We will. Shall we jump across to Twitter and, well, no, literally just Twitter this week. Nothing else from anywhere else. And have a look at our non-wrestling topic, my friend. Let's do it. Hello, everyone. My name is Tyler Peters, and let me tell you about my blog titled ClassicReviews.com. Classic Reviews discusses everything from pro wrestling to films, music, original concepts, and more. The blog recently spotlighted WWE superstar Becky Lynch and the Beach Boys. You can find classic reviews at www.tylerstakepodcast.wordpress.com and follow me at DustinTyler86 on Twitter. I hope to see you all over there very soon. And that web address, once again, is www.tylerstakepodcast.wordpress.com. Okie doke. This week's non-wrestling topic was uh, inspired by a journey on the bus for me a couple of weeks ago. Where oh, we've got a few comments in the chat. So we have a quick look at these first. The Cock Foundation <laughs> teetering on Anvil Spam Hammer. Uh, oh, Morty's in the chat. Hello, sir. How are you? Um, Hi, Morty. Hello. Um, Dan uh, commenting to to Sharon, who's uh, perving over Zach. Everyone said Zach cannot play Von Eric. The best looking one was Kerry, and he looked like a melted weller from the neck up. <laughs> that's that, that's awful to laugh at that. Uh, and ironically, he could he's the only person I know who could wear a melted weller with his half of a foot. Oh. Indeed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but but uh, Mort says Lacey von Eric might have something to say about that, Dan, which is which is pretty true. Uh, Dan's recommending the Cramming Sports Podcast. Uh, they did an episode on on Kerry von Eric, uh, and he, he said I meant of the brothers, Mort. No, you didn't. You thought that that Lacey von Eric looked like a, a melted boot. But, <laughs> she was a giant as well, wasn't she? Do you remember when she used to be in the was it the Beautiful People in TNA? I, I mean, I, I know she, of her. I don't. Yeah. I don't remember any SARS issues. Was she a, like a a Nicole Bass style? She was like eight foot tall, mate. She was like the female <laughs> giant Gonzalez, <laughs> <laughs> da- daughter of Andre. <laughs> yeah, exactly, mate. Exactly. She was huge. Yeah, really attractive looking lady. Don't get me wrong, but she was a tall girl. She was a big bitch. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, indeed. Okay. Uh, we will jump on to Twitter then. Our non-wrestling topic this week was very much inspired by a journey on the best I had a couple of weeks ago. There was some inconsiderate piece of crap with a stereo on his shoulder, blaring music at the bus stop in Tang. And it was all sorts of absolute bullshit music. It was terrible. And I was getting really wound up about it. And then... Um, I can't even remember the song's name now. Uh, Very Superstitious by... Who sang that? Stevie Wonder. Yes, it came on. Yes, that was it. And I thought, ah, this is all right, actually. And at that moment, he got up and walked off. And I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but as yeah. it often does, these things sort of spark something in my head. And I started thinking about silly superstitions people have, whether that's sitting on a certain side of the bus. And I do it. I get the bus every day. I will walk onto the bus and I will always go to the same seat. I don't even realize I'm doing it. It's just what I do. You know, and you see other people on the bus going to work all sat in the same seats every single day. Uh, superstitions with regards to sport, uh, you know, good luck, bad luck, you know, uh, black cats walking in front of you, anything at all like that. Um, we put the tweet out asking about it. And as always, the CWF did not let us die in Magsy. No, they didn't. Um, yeah, superstitions, all that believing in mumbo jumbo bullshit. So let's get into it. Oh, are you going to be all negative and funny about this now? Is this negative? Gonna, yes, funny. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to shoot down people's <laughs> superstitions? I, I can't say that I won't, but excellent. I'll try to not do. I was, I was honest. I was kind of hoping you would, but here we go. <laughs> We will start with Chris Bellis at Real Chris Bellis on Twitter. And he says here, at work, now that I'm taking charge of my ward more, I finish our safety brief during handover by telling everyone that I have the best team with me today. The first time I said it, we had the perfect shift. So it sticks. That makes sense. Yeah. I I can't find Chris Bellis on here at all. So that's fun. Uh, okay. I'm literally, again, I'm going by the order they came into us. Oh, yeah, I know. You do this on purpose. I don't do it on purpose. I, I just screenshot anyway. it onto my phone. Right. <laughs> we uh, always appreciate Chris's input anyway. We do. We do. Uh, we have a comment from somebody new, Magsy, who has sort uh-huh. of latched onto our little group via the Doctor Who pod and uh, is in, interacts with us a great deal about Doctor Who and is a big Colin oh, Baker uh-huh. fan. I apologize for, for anything that we say or do on this show then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't judge us on this show alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, uh, this individual is a big Colin Baker fan as the doctor. So it causes quite a few interesting discussions between her and Dan Griffin, who has not enjoyed the Colin Baker episodes we've reviewed thus far, but we have another Colin, one. Coming. Colin Baker was they the one with the question mark jacket. Um, he had a question mark on his collar, I think. Yeah. But he, he had the big curly blonde hair and the long red coat and all that sort of I, stuff. I, rem- I remember him. And a cat brooch. I don't remember the cat brooch. Yeah, yeah a little I remember brooch. him. Yeah. Uh, but we have a new episode of the Doctor Who pod tomorrow, which is reviewing Vengeance on Varos, which is a Colin Baker episode. So everyone go and check that out when it drops, I believe, at midnight. So it should be with you tomorrow at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, at official ab underscore pos 
she says here, I'm a habitual knock on wood kind of girl. I'm not much one for superstition, but that one always has stuck with me. Basically, it's simple to do. It can't hurt. And somehow if it helps, then it's a bonus. So I suppose it's kind of covering all bases, Magsy. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I think I'm on the, the, the same kind of lengths as I'm going to call her AB, soon as that's the best part I could pick out. Um, things like that, knocking on wood, um, I, I, I would do. I wouldn't necessarily believe it would help, but yeah, it's a, a nice, safe, non-ridiculous superstition, I suppose. Hmm, okay. I mean, and also knocking on wood, I mean... I know AB is is from the states, and I know we have listeners to this show in from the states. So let us know as well if you you're in the chat, or you can message us in the week when you hear the podcast version on the Wednesday, and so on. In this country, I thought it was touchwood. Um, well, yeah, I would say touchwood. So is knock on wood an American thing then? And you have to physically I, knock it, or yeah, I mean, when you say touchwood, though, you still knock like that, don't you? Oh, no, I don't. I just touch it. I just like tap it. I don't knock. Okay. I, I literally just touch wood. I did it then. At touch wood. See, so just that. Okay. I mean, as long as you make some sort of physical contact with the wood, that's where the look, that's the look passing from wood to human. That's what she <clears> said. <throat> um, <laughs> uh, at UTT Rob on Twitter, he says here, Rob being a big Huddersfield Town fan. He says, I got through last season with lucky Huddersfield Town socks on. On game days, the luck ran out for the playoff final and they are now full of holes. So I'm really worried about next season. <laughs> and that's exactly the sort of thing we were looking for. Uh, have you ever had anything like that, Magsy? Like a lucky shirt or lucky pants or anything? No, because I don't believe in this hawk and pork and garbage. Um, <laughs> it's just socks. I mean, when those socks were made in the the arguably sweat shop in in Guatemala. Do you think they went, these ones here, let's <laughs> sprinkle a little bit of luck dust. Yeah, the, whoever buys these socks are going to be lucky AF as long as they're wearing them. No, they're just socks. It's coincidence, as proven by the the playoff final when the, the, his luck run out. But well, there you go. Rob, anyway, Rob is amazing. <laughs> He's not no. He's, he's explaining away the coincidence there because he's made a valid point that come the playoff final, the luck had just ran out. Obviously, luck has a timeline. Uh, oh yeah, or a shelf laugh. You can yeah. only wear those socks for forty-five games of a season. <laughs> if you try it for that one last game, you've ruined it for yourself. There you go. You got to pick and choose next season. <laughs> you Rob. have okay? which you you need to pick the the most important games. Don't yep. be wearing them against that. Doncaster or like Burton because you'll beat them you need to wear them against Burnley <laughs> no in fact you'll probably beat Burnley you don't need to wear them against Burnley at all and if they're full of holes you can literally just pop them up into your sleeve can't you or put them in your pocket or something just walk around with a pair of socks in your pocket because they're lucky or, or just wear them just holy socks all the time and mm. Sharon ruined Oh, that's yes, never going to die now. No, never going to. That's going to be ruined. James at 80s and 90s Wrestling on Twitter. He says here, I once went down at the concourse to get the football halftime beers on 37 minutes. Wolves scored whilst in the queue. So obviously now I go for beers the same minute as they will, as they will score again. Yes, I'm weird. 
Also, when I see a Royal Mail van, I have to touch something red after. Is that a thing? I've never heard of that before. No, that's something he's made up. Oh, his his close family and friends have made up. I've I've never heard of having to touch something red after a Royal Mail van. Very new superstition as well, because we haven't had cars for that long in the, in the grand scheme of things. So, what did you touch before that, and what was something red that went past you for you to have to touch something red? Like hang on, a hang horse on, hang and on. cart. Hang on. Well, hang on. You're you're <laughs> you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't we haven't had cars for that long. It's like, it's like hundred and twenty odd years, you know. How yeah, but in you, the grand you, in the how old do you think James is? <laughs> no, in the grand scheme of of of, of human existence, we've hmm. we haven't had cars for that long. And and most superstitions you would think have gone on for generations. That's where they okay. come from. Right, I see. I see your point. Okay. So um, what? What red horse and car had to go past for James's great 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 grandmother to go? <laughs> oh, that's unlucky. I best touch this other red item. Uh, yeah, I'll I've never heard what, of that one. I hope that is something that's been passed down the generations. <laughs> just, yeah, just an heirloom, an yeah, heirloom for it. James's family. Uh, the the first one, though, the football. Um, uh, going for a beer at thirty-seven minutes again. Kind of like Rob Socks. Bit of a coincidence, and I guarantee that every time he's gone for a beer after 37 minutes, Wolves have not scored. Mm. And also, I mean, don't get me wrong, I suppose you're beating the queues to get a point. I mean, that's, that yeah, just, that, that, that may be his reasoning. He may be saying to his mates, no, I've got to go now, eight minutes before the end. And it really is because he's got a massive drink problem and he wants to neck two pounds before people, <laughs> people come and join the queue. <laughs> My hip flask is empty. My emergency <laughs> hip flask is empty. I now need to go get a point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Morty in the chat, who I believe is joining us from abroad this evening. I believe he's in Poland. I may have that completely wrong, and I may have totally misunderstood the scenario. But I think I read somewhere that Morty is in Poland. Or, yeah, like I said... His, his wife is Polish. She mentioned it last week. Oh, okay. I've slept since then, mate. He also mentions it multiple times on, on the Morty and Fitch podcast, which yeah. people should be listening to. Yeah, okay. I do listen to it. Okay. All right. I'm just, I, I wasn't saying it for your benefit. <laughs> I was saying it for the benefit of the rest of the, the CWF. It sounded, it sounded really snarky, who people should be listening to. <laughs> like you're blaming me. <laughs> anyway, Certainly Morty says... It's not a suspicion, but apparently, according to Fitch and Dan Griffin... Yeah, that's what I got here, suspicion. Did he mean superstition? Ah, yeah. I should have picked up on that when I read it. My bad. It's not a superstition, but apparently, according to Fitch and Dan Griffin, the way I dry myself after a shower is unusual. I also get told I'm odd for washing my hands before and after using the toilet, but I think they're odd for not doing it. Before? Yeah. Before. Yeah. That is odd. I do find that odd. Yeah. I think it depends on what, what the scenario is. I, when I when I'm at work and I've done certain things with like metal shardings and and silicon and your hands are all ga- you don't want to be you don't want to be touching you know little si with stuff like that, do you? You know. No, I mean, yeah. Certainly, there'll be circumstances where you would need to wash hands. I get that, but every time, every single time. That's weird. And, mm. and he's in the chat, so 
why would you uh, touch your chat with dirty hands? I mean, why would you touch it with clean hands then? Because surely that would just dirty your hands with your chap. Well, it depends on your chap is, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're me, it's pretty dirty. <laughs> you need to go to the pharmacy or something, mate. <laughs> <laughs> we, also need, we also need to know what his toweling regime is. I asked. And he said he has mentioned this on the podcast previously. And after that, Dan Griffin started referring to him as SpongeBob Squareballs. He says here, I'll just read the tweet out he sent. So I do something that I've never really thought about, but my wife spotted the other day and told me it's weird. So question for the fellas. When you finish a shower, do you give your bollocks a little squeeze to avoid any excess water dripping? Oh, you're going to be as rude as you like with me. No. Right, so I have a a, a a more unconventional toweling procedure. So, okay, shall I settle in for this? Or <laughs> no, it's it's not a, a long one. So um, I'm sure man will start the way that most people start. That you would dry your hair, then essentially work your way downwards. Makes sense. That's the way the water travels. Um, but my wife has got a, a Dyson hairdryer. Where are you going with this, Max? Or more to the point, where is this Dyson hairdryer going? It, I mean, it's it's getting switched on. Now, you, obviously, <laughs> people will know what a Dyson hairdryer is. They are, the, they are like the kings of hairdryers. Like, like Dyson were the kings of vacuums. Um, so they're really powerful hairdryers. And I've worked out that they're really powerful body dryers. So okay. you, can, you can dry the parts that maybe sometimes a towel can't reach. Let's just say that. And it works out to be a lot quicker than a towel. So, yeah, that's the way I end my drying regime is to blast myself all over with, with the missus's Dyson Edra. Now... I don't know <laughs> if she knows that I do that, but well, if she listens to chain wrestling, she will now. <laughs> to be to be fair, it cost four hundred quid, and they, it's, they are ridiculously expensive. So I may as well Hang get on. some what? use out of it. Yeah, what? 400, 400 of the queen's pounds, mate, for a hair for a hair dryer. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that is honestly, I've got no words. It's ridiculous. So I'm I'm almost on a bound to use it in more unconventional ways. Aren't I? Uh, Getting yeah. 400 quid's worth. I don't know. Should you or should you not? I mean, I, I, in a weird way, I think if you had a cheaper hairdryer, it would almost be more okay for you to, you know, blast your spuds with than the expensive one. Don't be using yeah, that to get off the ball water. It, it's covered <laughs> by a warranty. So if I, the more I use it and it does break... I'll get replaced. Is, is there a section in the warranty that covers this? Is it like? Section, <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not going to put on the re, the return like email. And my balls dripped into the mortar. I'm, I'm just going to say, yeah, I was drying my hair. And it's not working. Which section they don't seven. ask which hair. They don't uh-huh. state which hair you were drying. 
Section 17, line 3. <laughs> Do not blast your bollocks. <laughs> we will not pay out on the insurance if you're warming your arsehole with the hairdryer. <laughs> oh, wow. That, oh. that, that um, got a lot of traction. So, Morton, when I originally tweeted that a year or so ago, I was quickly told off, uh, told by the entire Twitter that it's odd. Um, then uh, Daddy's saying... Um, Darson sponsorship. I mean, we would happily take it. James Darson, if you uh, want to throw some of your billions our way, we will take it. He, Another, does listen. he, he, he goes and he goes and joins Lee and Garcia and they listen together. I bet he dries his bollocks with a hairdryer. Guaranteed. I reckon. I reckon he's got a wall of hairdryers, doesn't use a towel at all, just stands there and spins around. Like a kebab, like a <laughs> kebab be, in the shop. That, <laughs> that would be that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> just just to step into a room and go and you're fully dried. Like, like Back to the Future. Yeah. Um Morty's also said he brushes his teeth with hot water. I would actually say you're all odd for washing your teeth with cold water and going to the toilet. You brush your teeth with hot water? Yeah, he tweeted in about this as well, saying he brushes his teeth with warm water. And he then says, you don't use warm water to clean anywhere else or anything else, so why would you use it for your teeth? And when he explained that, I was a bit like, okay, I could kind of understand the logic behind that, but I still use cold water. Okay, so to counter that, you also don't put toothpaste around your your cock and balls to wash it. Like you do with <laughs> You're right, I don't. Teeth. <laughs> well, some may. Morty may. We, we, we'll, he'll have to answer that. Uh, cats out of the balls bag now that uh, the hairdryer will be hidden for the foreseeable. Yeah, I, I would not be surprised. Blast your spuds. There's a new episode tile. <laughs> Hot water, get the logic, but another nope. Sharon, I'm hard in my hairdryer. What you want to do, Sharon, is is say, look, Mrs. Mags has got a 400 quid hairdryer. No, you I need up, a, shut up. I need a 400 quid hairdryer. No, not at all. Wise, Sharon, very wise by mortar. Good call, Sharon. Uh, my wife uses toothpaste to clean. Jesus. So whenever you not- have a... A brew. Yeah. Aqua fresh this week, darling. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm quite finicky about, about my tea, my cups of tea. Uh, wouldn't it make your tea minty? I mean, m- minting coffee, fine. Minting tea, mm. no. I do mm. not want the taste of Colgate when I'm having a, a cup of Yorkshire tea. No. What about if you use the... um? like the charcoal toothpaste that we were talking about a few weeks back when I scared my lad with it, because it's black. You know, imagine that, making a cup of tea and it ends up black because of your toothpaste. Uh, all the froth, all black and grimy. Yeah. 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 That's, that's... Oh, he, he says, the outside of the toothpaste. So... Oh, oh, the outside of the kettle. Yeah, I meant... I don't want it. The outside of the toothpaste. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That, <laughs> even, but even that's weird so you you would put a bit of toothpaste on i would assume on a, a a rag or a sponge to clean the kettle no see i don't want and that. why specifically the kettle why not like the microwave i imagine or, the kettle being stainless steel or something like that in which case it's not i, I don't think he means like a plastic kettle like the five pound white job from asda <laughs> I imagine it's a metal kettle, isn't it? 
it may get rid of the stains if it's if it's yellowed over time. A bit yeah, of uh, <laughs> the whitening toothpaste brings <laughs> it back to its former oh, glory. <laughs> what a great sight! Yeah, what a great sight. <laughs> uh, at Total Steve-O on Twitter. And before we get to Steve-O's tweets here, I want to just uh, mention his solo podcast. Again, uh, I've been following along. I'm a few episodes behind, but we've been following along on the uh, his sort of musical journey story. And it's fascinating. And there's so many crossovers as well. He talks about going to rock clubs in, in, and so on, little dingy places to you know have a DJ just play rock music all, all evening that's how i spent my saturday nights as well it's fascinating hearing somebody else telling the story about how they developed it, mm-hmm. their musical tastes absolutely brilliant stuff well worth checking out steve-o's uh solo podcast absolutely brilliant follow steve-o on twitter at total steve-o he says here i always wash my hands after everything i touch that's been used in the public i.e if i've been on the tube the bus checkouts immediately that admittedly sorry the pandemic has made me more paranoid but no, I'm not a corona nut job. I say a lot to myself when something doesn't feel right, it's a sign from God. So I stop doing whatever it may be. Okay. Thoughts on those, yeah. Max, before I carry on? Makes sense. I mean, humans in in, in general are dirty, dirty animals, aren't they? So, um, yeah, I, I understand people being uh, weary, especially with how COVID ravaged the whole of the world uh, maybe it was an eye-opener for a lot of people that you should be more weary of public spaces and and things that that other humans have been touching because they may not be as as uh as clean as you uh, so yeah that that makes a, a lot of sense hmm, fair enough uh steve continues i'm very ocd and feel if nothing is straight or in line i must correct it i.e when exercising Everything has to be aligned. If it is not, I cannot perform the exercise. Yeah, I, I get that. Um, I can't. Mine's more. Um, that, that's about exercising. Look at me. I can't make that comparison, obviously. But mine, mine's <laughs> more like <sighs> these. This weight's only five point five kilos. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to stop, Sharon. I love the way I've gone back into Farmer Giles there. With the accent <laughs> that's fantastic. Now, um. I mean, maybe that's why I don't exercise. Perhaps my OCD <laughs> is so extreme, I just can't even start. But I have got, like, I can, like, I, I, like when I get in from work, I said before, I get a little window of time where the kids aren't home yet, and I, I am. I like to have a toasted sandwich, sit down and watch a bit of telly and a cup of tea and chill out. But I can't do that if certain things aren't done beforehand. So a bit of washing up, normally the mm-hmm. vacuuming. But also the TV, the cable box, and the stuff that's around the cable box. Like my wife's got a couple of ornaments and stuff like that. They have to be within, I would say, four or five percent of exactly the same position and straight and so on. Because if, if one skew whiff, it drives me mad. But of course, like the cabinet, for example, if a TV cabinet to me looks like it's slightly off and I move it back one way, that's not a small thing I'm moving. So if I'm, I'm actually then I'll move it too far one way. I end up just shimmying this thing around for half an hour because I can't sit down and relax because it drives me batty. I, I get that. It is a little bit weird, but I get it. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Uh, Stevo says, I always start work early as I feel I'll be behind. Okay, fair enough. You want to make sure your boss is aware of that, Steve-O. Don't, do, don't, don't yeah. work for nothing, mate. Don't work for exactly. nothing. Exactly, exactly. Uh, when parked up, Steve says, I switch the headlights on and off to make sure they're off. I was worried I'll leave them on and drain the battery as I have done before. I also lock, unlock, and lock the car to make sure it's definitely locked. 
I would do that with the front door. And there's been times where if I lock the front door when I'm leaving, if I'm the last one to leave the house and I lock the front door, I've been halfway down the road and I've been, I've missed my bus because I'm thinking, have I locked the door? Have I locked the door? And I know I have, but I've got to go back and check it no matter what. Check. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it's it's clear that Steve Wars is doing that because, like I said, he's left it on before and the battery is drained. So, yeah, it, it's something that's been bred into him because of that. Mm. I don't want to face that situation where a, a, a battery's been dead before. The so yeah, I can totally get on board with with that. And it's always better to be safe than sorry. I suppose it's just there's a fine line between uh, that and then it be, becoming a real issue where you're mm. you're doing it. 15, 20 times. So, uh, but yeah, it, it makes sense for him to, to do that because obviously his, his batteries run out before. Yeah. Yeah, totally. At Scottish Juggalo on Twitter, our good friend, Scottish Danny. This one, this before tickle- we get to it, this was fucking brilliant. Reading this, I could not stop laughing. It's, I don't get it. <laughs> when at an awards or charity event, Danny says, <laughs> I play a game where when it's time for an applause after someone's speech, I always make sure to try and get in the first and last clap. <laughs> it makes me feel I'm doing my part as an audience member. <laughs> I'm involved. <laughs> oh, dear. I asked him back. The last clap I get. But the first clap, how does that work? How early do you go? You know, do you, is the guy literally like, you know, he might just be pausing for breath and you're there going, oh no. <laughs> <You know? laughs> or, hurry up, hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> We've got places to go. Oh, I said, does he ever just dive in early or, or start too soon? And, he, and Danny said, Danny said uh, on Thursday he did. He got a sneer off an old lady because he thinks that she caught on to what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> And she wanted to be the first. Yes. <laughs> that is brilliant. Uh, and then Cam, who's in, who's in the chat, said, um, have you had any awkward clap-offs at the end when someone else <laughs> wants to do the same? And it reminded me, even before I saw Dan's uh, comment of the, of the Family Guy uh, clip where um, Cleveland and, and Peter are having a clap-off. Um, yeah, it's a... I can just imagine Danny when everyone's finishing clapping, just yeah. and then someone just else won. clapping as he's like, <laughs> <laughs> just like for the next ten minutes, just just adding one extra clap. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I don't get how do you time being the first clapper, and if somebody beats you to that first clap, how pissed off are you? Does that yeah. like ruin the rest of the night for you? Ruin the rest of the night. Ruin. Ruin <laughs> the rest of the night. Oh, that is that is interesting. I, I almost want to go to an awards thing now with, with Scottish Danny and see what happens. Well, it, if he's if he has this game, it's clear that he goes to many awards. It's, uh, he's mean, not yeah, invited. Not invi- yeah. he, just, he, <laughs> he just enjoys, rocks up. Just enjoys <laughs> clapping. <laughs> that, that may be his job. He may be um, a paid clapper. That's why he has to start first. He doesn't get paid the full wage unless he starts and finishes the clap. Ah, I see. Almost like, you know, punching your timesheet sort of thing. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Oh, we had a random one here from Steve-O saying he always taps his keys in his pocket to make sure they're there as well. Yeah, fair enough. I'm paranoid about losing my keys and stuff, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, taps your keys sounds like a euphemism. (laughs) 
mm. whilst in his yes. pocket. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's how Mort drives his, his bollocks. That's, that's a new keys. a new name for it. Oh, I'm just tapping the keys, Mrs. Just tapping Moore. the keys. <laughs> uh, to be honest, he says he gives them a squeeze, right? His bollocks to get rid of excess water. Okay. How how, how what are we thinking here? Because it's not like your balls are absorbent, is it? It's not like <laughs> it's not like they're made of. They're not made of sponge. They're not. You know. They're not. Yeah, gonna... apparently they are, according to Dan SpongeBob Square. Well, yeah, I suppose. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Balls. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, yeah. Is is a weird cat is more, but I, I would assume it's to to kind of s- stretch out the wrinkles almost, or the kind of like wringing out a cloth. So in your mind, more he's not just having a bit of a squeeze; he's having a bit of a tug as well. He's he's, he's pulling his. <laughs> he is trying to claim that he's dried his nuts when really yeah. he's cracking one over the knuckles. You know, he's having he's having a fun time fumble. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he's he's uh, talking to pa- Pam and her five friends. Yes, exactly, exactly. I got I got to say a big thank you to Morty. Actually, what if he's still in the chat there, which I think he is. Uh, he posted a picture earlier on today of a load of wrestling figures that he's he's come across and he wants to sort of get rid of. And there's a load of old WCW ones now, not like that magazine. <laughs> yeah, they're all, and he'll he's selling them cheap because they're all sticky. Naughty, naughty. All crusty. <laughs> he's Stuck got together. Of, uh, he's <laughs> you got pick one up, you pick figures. them all up. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> he's got a load of WCW figures that he's uh, sending my way. So I'm hugely appreciative, Morty. Thank you so, so much for that. Um, Sharon asking, is it a squeeze or a jiggle? Um, mm. I think he pulls and stretches it out like a bat wing. A bat wing? You cannot harm me, for I have wings of steel. <laughs> no, because <laughs> if they're veiny, aren't they? So you stretch them out and you can see the veins. So I think he does that. Okay. You've obviously given us more thought than I have. I, I'm still thinking about it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why? Connor Knows Soccer, at Connor Knows Footy on Twitter. He says here, I only wear my crew, which I believe is Columbus crew, is the team yep. that Connor follows on stateside. I only wear my crew and USA football shirts during matches, and I take them off directly after the match. Okay. I mean, that is a bit of a funny one for me, because you see, well, from, from where we are, people wear their football shirts all day long, don't they, Maxi? I, I see your point, and I'm actually going to go one further. He says he takes them off directly after the match. So in the queue to leave the stadium... You've got all these Columbus Crew fans, and then just one Connor shirtless rocking through, <laughs> rocking through the turnstile, shivering. <laughs> yeah, the final I mean, whistle goes, and he's got to whip it off right there. Yeah, like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! It's extra time. Let's put it back on. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Dan Griffin at Dan Griffin twenty one on Twitter. He says here early on last season. Dan is a Liverpool fan. For those who are unaware. Early on last season, I had a few instances where I was losing interest in Liverpool football matches and started playing a game on my phone. Each time I started playing the game, Liverpool scored. So I started playing the game every time Liverpool needed a goal. It worked pretty well, apparently. So how are you gonna how are you gonna poo-poo that one? Coincidence, like the socks and like the bane beers. It it worked once, it probably worked a few times because Liverpool do you know, they, they score a hell of a lot of goals. So you yeah, can easily right. say, uh, oh, I will play this game for, for five minutes and, and they scored. 
Yeah, because it was likely that they were going to score. If you'd have been doing anything else, they would have still scored. So it's good that it, it, it got you reinvested. But it is a coincidence, Dan. Unfortunately, lad. There we go. You're not influencing the team, apparently, Dan. According to, uh, according to Mr. Lags. Not by playing Candy Crush. Let's let's just let's, <laughs> let's get it right. Yeah, he says playing a game. He's blatantly on Pornhub. Let's be honest. Yeah, of course. He is. <laughs> let's call it what it is. He's, We're all he's, do- yeah. <laughs> he's doing a batwing. <laughs> uh, Chris at Millwall Chris One on Twitter. He says, "I have something I avoid." I avoid clapping when I'm on a plane that has just landed safely. People who do that are inbred morons. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I mean, it's never a super, it's not a superstition, but it's something that that is is spot on the money. I fucking can't stand when people clap when the plane lands. It's it's so stupid. It's absolutely stupid. Uh, so yeah, I'm a hundred percent in agreement with uh, with Chris there. I've never been on a plane, so I've never experienced this. Imagine you getting a bus, and then people clapping when he when he pulls up at a stop. Now yeah, imagine that a bus, that. Isn't, a bus isn't fucking thousands of miles in the air. Okay, then imagine going uh, on a coach to a, a festival. They still use then, the roads too. No, well, <laughs> either way, it's it's going it's transportation from one destination to another and you're fucking clapping mm. no like i understand clap, that clapping understand. when a boat lands or a when boat lands. a boat you're on a boat you don't want a boat to land that stays on the water mate well you want it to get to the land then <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> I mean, I, I even at a scottish daddy even at a serial clapper <laughs> thinks this is stupid i can imagine daddy sat on a plane and even before the it's the the plane has got to the ground as soon as he's seen the airport out the window he's just like <laughs> yeah <laughs> running down the aisle putting a shirt over his <laughs> <laughs> celebrating <laughs> And Sharon corrected me. It's docks, yeah, docks. Ah, but nobody claps when a when a ship or a boat docks. So yeah, it's, again, yeah, it's it, ridiculous. It, I understand your, your point of view. It's it's a mode of transport, and it happens all over the world, many times a day, whatever. And it takes you from A to B, and so on. I've never been on a plane, and the idea of being on a plane terrifies me. Honestly, I'm, I'm, the idea scares the crap out of me. I would be genuinely happy to be landing and be back on the ground safe again. Happy enough to clap, though. I, I I don't know. I've not been in that scenario. I don't know. Yeah. I imagine I get caught. I imagine because you can drink on a plane. I imagine I get caught up in the excitement. <laughs> oh, woo! Everyone clapping. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Just shirt. That's like, yeah. <laughs> 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 oh dear. And then he was banned from Ryanair for laugh. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Can you please sit back down, sir? <laughs> and put your pants back on. Yes. <laughs> you cannot dry your testicles with the hair dryer. <laughs> this is for staff only. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, Cam at Cam Griff ninety two on Twitter. He says, "I always used to have the volume. Sorry, I always used to have to have the volume." on a number ending in a zero or a five on the TV. Sporting-wise, before a rugby match, I would always tape up my ankles and also around my arms, probably to make me look hench. Didn't work, he says in brackets. Getting free electrical tape might have been a factor. 
and his brother Dan responded to this as well, saying he used to flip his shit if the TV was on, volume was on like a, a number ending in one or three. And it, eventually it began to be tolerable to leave it on even numbers. That's, that's weird. The wife is exactly the same though. Not the tape around the ankles and arms, but the, yeah, just the get, volume. Just getting ready. Like. <laughs> yeah, I think Cam wanted to be the uh, rugby's answer to the ultimate warrior then with all right. the tape running out taking people's laces out their rugby boots to put around his arm yeah but yeah the volume thing and I only found out this pretty recently that the wife is obsessed with it being on a zero or a five because I turned the volume to like 23 and she went mental she went, nope, you've got to turn that to 25. So I didn't, obviously, because I'm a, I'm a cunt. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, she, she pestered and pestered until I, I put it on 25. Uh, okay. See, it's, it, that is a weird one for me, the, 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 the five increments. Sharon in the chat there saying, I turned the volume down to 13 when I decide it's time to sleep. <laughs> I, did not, that- I did not know that. <laughs> And the best thing is, Sa sat sat there watching a film, really invested, and all of a sudden the volume goes down to thirteen, and it's I'm deciding it's sleep time now, Sir. So I don't care if you're into this at all; it's bedtime. I didn't know that. I genuinely that's that's brand new information to me that my wife does that turns it down to thirteen because I, I if I was in the room when she done that, I couldn't handle that because I couldn't leave it on thirteen; it would have to be on twelve or fourteen. Oh, I was hoping to God she'd been doing it to you for years and you've just never took the hint. <laughs> like, uh, oh, 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 it's not, not working. He's not taking the hint. Down, down, down. Has to get to zero before you go, oh, ready for bed, love. <laughs> <laughs> That's Farmer Giles again. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can understand having the volume on an even number. I don't like the volume being on an odd number. But I, I can't. I don't know why. I just. I don't know. I've just always been that way, and it gets annoying as well because if I go to bed first, I'll put the telly on and I'll watch a bit of WWE Network or some Doctor Who or whatever when I'm laid in bed, and I'll doze off to it. And if it's on fourteen, it's too loud, and I worry about waking the kids up. If I turn it down to twelve, I can't quite hear it enough, but I can't put it on thirteen. Wow. Well, you see, it's, 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 cl- it's clear that Sharon does it for you. Well, there we go. <laughs> on the sly, <laughs> slyly putting it onto 413. And but said, turning it up as well, like turning it up, I can't, I can't I, if I turned it up to like 30 or 35, it, you know. Thir- Jesus Christ. You, and I thought I was deaf. Well, no, I, I do need it loud sometimes, especially if like the washing machine's going and that, that sort of droning noise. I can't hear anything else because my ears are going, aren't they? So. Yeah, just just wipes out my hearing, mate. Thirty-five, Jesus Christ! Yeah, but your thirty-five might be different to my thirty-five. That's very true. This should mm. be a standardised number. Yeah, because then conversations like this would make a lot more sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They ruin it for, for for us pedantics who do yeah. wrestling <laughs> podcasts. Uh, uh, is there any comments in the chat we need to jump on, Magsy, before we move on, my friend? Yeah, there's uh there's quite a few. Um, more saying when uh, uh when he was a teenager he would go to all of his mates' gigs and at every gig uh when there's a pause he would shout the drummer is fit for all bands, not just his mates. So 
Mort's clearly got <laughs> clearly got a a, a penchant for drummers. Um, That's amazing. Um, Scottish Daddy has put a good tip: film yourself locking the door when going away for long trips, stolen from Fessel. That's actually a really good idea. That um, is genius. I'm playing. I'm, I'm doing that now. Sharon says she doesn't give a shit because you guys have got nothing uh, worth stealing. <laughs> this is true. This is true. That about locking the door, yeah. Ruin. Uh, got Danny. ribbed yet again. And then we we, we spoke about uh, Danny uh, going to many award shows and he confirms. He just turns up randomly and he's like one of those little old ladies that rock up at random people's funerals. <laughs> Do you clap at those? <laughs> funeral <laughs> like just as they started to lower the body <laughs> Jesus this show gets dark um, Sharon is going to be bleaching the wrestling figures before they enter enter your house there's no need they all look fine I'm sure there's no jizz on them <laughs> and Mort's actually <laughs> that's <laughs> Mort's all over your wrestling figures uh, he says when he leaves the shower if he doesn't slide his hands down his back first and squeeze the beans then water drips all over the floor like it's it's like a ritual but surely you've got a shower mat surely mm. okay and that, uh, slide your hand down your back i mean i get what he means like try and rub off some excess water okay right He's, he's probably the get kind of guy that reuses the ta- his towels more than once, so he wants to drain them off as, as much as possible. Ah, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, oh. Sharon's saying that um, 30 isn't loud on your, on your TV, uh, and then Liv's just talking about her football boots. It always has to be left foot first. Yes, yes. And this is what I was going to come to with... Uh, it's one of mine when we come to ours, Magsy. I mean, you yourself, we'll go with you first. Have you got any? I'm assuming not with the way that you poo-pooed everyone else's. Now, <laughs> I am not into superstition at all. I think it's mumbo-jumbo, things like, uh, along the same lines as ghosts and, and supernatural. Yeah, I just don't believe in that bollocks. Mm-hmm. But I will always salute a magpie. Ah, okay. And I, I, I th- it's just habit. Just I have to do that. Um, but other than that, yeah, I don't really have a lot of superstitions. Uh, not that I'm aware of. Just yeah, I suppose it's just saluting magpies. Yeah, I do that. So show me. Imagine a magpie has just flown past your window now. Show me what you do, and I'll show you what I do. This is going to work so so well for the audio version, of course. But show me what you do. If right, you see so it, it's all dependent on the time of the day. But you'll see the magpie, and you'll go, "Morning, Mister Magpie." Okay. Or evening, Mr. Magpie, or... All right, so what, cha- what changes... Okay, so what changes is what you say, as opposed to... Yeah. You haven't got a different salute for different times of day. Like, what kind of salute could you have, like... Uh... No, no, the way the way you said that was, <laughs> it all depends on what time of day it was. I thought you yeah, meant you'd have a what different... what I would say. <laughs> oh, okay, right. Yeah, like yeah. that, like that salute. Yeah. Good evening, <laughs> Mr. Magpie. <laughs> <laughs> See, if I'm... if Again, a lot of it comes back to where I'm, where I'm you know... On transport, I guess, whether it's the bus or I'm sat in the car, Sharon's the driver in our family, I'm going to be sat in the passenger seat. We go past a magpie, uh, I don't want people to know I'm doing it, but now I'm going to basically expose, I'm going to, I'm going to blow it now so everyone can will know what I'm doing. And my family will start looking at me when we see magpies now, I know this is coming. But, and I get this from an old friend of mine. I, I never started doing it until I was in the car with him years ago in my 20s. 
and he used to salute like that, and then he'd have to do another one with the other hand, like that. So like a double two. salute. The yeah, ma- what a maverick! <laughs> but they were full-on massive salutes, and when he's driving, that's fucking scary. <laughs> yeah. Real, me, 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 me. But but he then told me, oh, it's bad luck or whatever if you don't do it. So that then of course that's played on my mind a little bit. So I started thinking, right, well, I got to double salute the magpie now, right? <laughs> so whenever I see a magpie, I effectively I I, I give it the, the tiniest double salute in the world. I literally go. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> just literally just touch my eyebrows like that as I'm just giving it a little nod like you know a little tip of the hand, but I do it both sides I'm going to burst your bubble now Sharon we've always known uh. <laughs> you're I not thought, that yeah. subtle <laughs> <laughs> so really you think you're, you're, think you're being yeah. sly like that they'll never yeah, know when really you're going do, 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 yeah. do, do, do. I'm going to I'm going to start that's it now. I'm just full on salute the magpies with both hands both at the same time like that like that <laughs> Don't don't your dad mess with his eyebrows quite a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Brilliant. Oh, dear. Uh, I had a couple when I used to play football that were kind of, I used to always have to sit in the same place in the the changing rooms, the same corner. Um, That was was probably a mandated by the coach thing, though, that, Sai, you get over there, away from everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) You go over there and deal with the water bottles, mate. (laughs) My seat was next to the tap. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Livy saying about putting her boots on in a certain order. I used to do that, but it would always be the same with socks as well. It would be literally for one game, I put sock up, left sock, right sock, right boot, left boot in that order. And I went out and played really well, scored a couple of goals, and, and that was great. The following week, uh, my boot came off. I had to put it back on again, and I was having an absolute mare. And in my head, I thought, it's because I've not put my boots on in the right order. Because you the cycle. So I, t- I literally went to the side of the pitch, took my boots and socks off, put my left sock on, right sock, right boot, right boot, sorry, right boot, left boot, went back on and scored a couple of goals again. So that just stuck then for the whole, you know, I played hundreds of games back when I was younger. That stuck then for every game I played because of that one double weekend where I played well doing it. So, okay. So then how many of those games after did you have mares? Um, a few, a few. And would you always find a reason why it wasn't just the, the your superstition was bollocks? that you actually broke the curse. <laughs> I also had a pair of lucky shorts when I was like 15, 16. Look at you, knowing, knowing that I'm right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. My superstition was absolute bollocks. <laughs> my, my, to be honest, I'm not going wrong. I never played at a high standard in any way, shape or form. But my goal record was quite good. Um, so it was almost like I, I, I tended to have more good games than bad. So I guess maybe on a psychological level, it probably played into my mind that this is working, I guess. I mean, whatever makes it work. If it mm. if it gives you that extra percentage of, of uh, confidence in your game, good for you. But to poo-poo it, it, it is bollocks. <laughs> I wore odd boots for a couple of seasons as well. <laughs> oh, <fuck>. because <laughs> that's big <there. laughs> 
I went on a run of scoring goals um, and I'm, I was ridiculously right-footed. I, I respect anyone who can use their wrong foot. And even despite being just shy of six foot tall, I wasn't particularly good in the air either. I, I could run fairly quickly, believe it or not, to look at me. That used to be the case. I could run fairly quickly and I was a half-decent finisher with my one foot. So that's all I had going for me. But at the level I played at, that's kind of all you needed. Again, it wasn't a particularly high standard. A lot of my goals came in my right foot. And I used to have this thing that I wouldn't buy new boots if I was still scoring goals. I'd just keep keep the same boots. I split the left boot. You know where the plastic bit would go into the, the lever? It sort of just came away, yeah. split big time. And um, I refused. I thought, well, it's okay. Because I never scored my left peg anyway. So I bought a new pair of boots and only wore the new left boot. And the one that was knocking goals in, the old right boot, I kept so I wore a brand new boot on my left foot and an old one on my right foot. But I think they didn't match. One was a Deodora, one was like a fucking Nike or something. <laughs> I, I was hoping you were going to say they didn't match. One was like a size nine, one was a size four. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was limping on the one side. <laughs> yeah. And ever since I've had terrible bunions. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to I'm gonna say now about Sharon here. Uh, she does this weird thing. Oh, Sharon, split big time, total of your sex tape. <laughs> Sharon's actually posed you a question. I bet you've uh, never noticed her. What, her magpie salute? Yeah. Every now and again, yeah. And it, it comes up when she's driving that. Yeah. But I, I, just, even in? I just Bonjour, thought I won't, Monsieur, Monsieur Magpie. <laughs> I just thought I won't bring it up on a public forum like this, Sharon. But hey, you know, maybe that's the way our relationship should work. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you've Sharon, got more today in this episode about your wife than you have in the last 10 years <laughs> yeah she's saying that she doesn't salute so i don't know what she does but she does something explain the explain the chat sharon what you're on about and i'll talk about your other your other little oddity i guess when uh, sharon's made the dinner or whatever and she um puts the salt out she'll take salt and throw it over her shoulder okay i mean you're meant to do that when you spill the salt I believe. Well, maybe that, okay, she might, potentially she spills the salt then. Uh, salt on the left shoulder. Right, okay, well, whichever arm it is, I don't know. But I'm looking at it, I'm like, why, why? Why would you do that? Because now there's fucking salt on the floor. And, <laughs> exactly, <you know>. yeah. <laughs> How do you combat spilling the salt by spilling more salt? Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah. But at the same Ridiculous. time, I understand if I turn around to somebody and say, I had, a, I had a lucky way of putting my boots and socks and shin pads on, that makes no sense to them. It's just weird how, yeah. the, how the mind works, isn't it? It's, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's the mind is bollocks. <laughs> the mind is bollocks. If anyone takes anything away from this week's episode of chain wrestling, it should be that the human mind is bollocks. <laughs> so Sharon is saying you make a circle with your thumb and index finger and you have to break it every time you see a single magpass or like that. Like like that or like that, you have to knock it out or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I've not heard any martial arts noises in the house. Whilst, but yeah. have you seen her doing that though? <laughs> I don't think driving. I have, unless that is what she does up here somewhere like that. Yeah. Th- you think she's doing that? And really, she's doing that. It's, it's sort of just like, this, yeah. Yeah. like a weird little ticky going on or something. Yeah, but there we go. I've learned so much about my wife tonight. That's fantastic. I feel so much closer to you now, Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> you feel so much closer. Amazing. 
Now you know uh, each other's salutes for bag pass. It's that's mm. the 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 thing that was missing from your relationship. Yeah, that's it. Perhaps that perhaps it was that was the last bit of mystery, and now, now the relationship the, the relationship is dead. <laughs> it's ruined. Ruined. <laughs> oh, thank you so so much to everybody who once again sent in. Yeah, uh, yes. Lots. I'm clap last. I'm gonna clap last. <laughs> This again, this makes for fantastic audio. <laughs> Thank you so much to the whole CWF who once again have just been fantastic, sending so many answers to our non-wrestling topic. It is awesome. We say it all the time, but this show is your show. It would not work without you. We are hugely, hugely grateful. However, it, we are, believe it or not, nearly 90 minutes into the show. We are a wrestling podcast. So we should yeah. talk. <laughs> we should We're getting talk less and less wrestling in every single week. <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is true. But let's talk some wrestling. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Scottish Danny in the chat there. Very proud of you because you got the first clapping. And the last and the last, and the last. <laughs> you win, Max. You win today. <laughs> uh, right then, our wrestling topic this week. We head back to 1990, SummerSlam 1990, the Spectrum in Philadelphia for a best two out of three fours contest for the WWF tag team title uh, between Champions Demolition and Challengers The Heart Foundation. Mm-hmm. Magsy. I know you're a big Barry Darso fan, Demolition Smash. Is this a match you've seen many, many times? And when was the last time you you watched it? Yeah, I've seen this quite a few times. And I think the last time that I watched it was probably for an episode of That 90s Wrestling Podcast, uh, where we did the the monthly pay-per-view reviews. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was a a serviceable match. Okay. Okay. Okay, that doesn't sound overwhelmingly positive. So this is going to be interesting to me. It was good. I mean, it, this was a time where the 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 tag title scene, whilst it had big name tag teams, it wasn't given a lot of airtime. Usually, it was used mm, them yeah. less than five minutes. Um, so it was good that we got a what a fifteen or so minute match. Um, and these are two very good tag teams. It just it felt ordinary. Okay. It was, mm, yeah. Um, I mean, it was interesting the fact that it was a uh, um, two out of three falls match. Uh, the the kind of all, the the use of the free bird rule uh, and the kind of like um, the way demolition charter um, to break the rules was interesting, but. The in-ring stuff, it just felt, it felt TV show rather than pay-per-view. Ah, interesting. See, I'm, I, I think I'm a little bit more positive. I, I find this, there were moments where I thought this was a little bit rushed. Because to me, two out of three fours and they've only got 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's not long to me. You know, as I mentioned, I, I went to Evolution Wrestling this weekend in Gloucester, they had a two out of three fours match for the main event. And when those guys were making their entrances, I'm looking at the time left of the show and I'm thinking, ah, oh, this is going to be good because they got a good amount of time here. So when I bought two out of three fours for this match, 
which I have seen before, but quite a way back. In my head, I'm thinking this has got to go 25, 30 minutes. This is going to be this is going to be great. Obviously, it's half that time, but mm-hmm. to me, it was still. There were moments it felt rushed, but the rest of the time, it just kind of felt intense to me. It just kind of yeah. there's quite a bit of brawling there. I mean, demolition weren't exactly technicians, were they? They were, but they were brilliant at what they did. And Nightheart was obviously Brett's a different level, of course, but Nightheart was a bit more of a brawler than, say, a technician, for want of a better term. Yeah, so it I seemed mean, like just a lot of fighting, I guess. I, I get that, and that, and I'm not saying that this was one of the worst things that we've ever watched. Uh, far from it. Um, I enjoyed watching it. It just, it just didn't stand out as, as one of the best matches that these two teams could have had and maybe that was the time uh like i said it it, it was a, a quick match maybe it was the uh the inconsistencies in the refereeing which we'll 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 get to as we we come towards the end but yeah i just felt that it it wasn't the best match from from both teams i suppose yeah okay that's fair enough mate. that's fair enough um we have vince mcmahon and roddy piper on commentary which is an odd mm. combination i know they're trying to they're basically looking for something for piper to do in in this era he was he, was, mm. he provided commentary on a few different things he was popping up the piper's pit here and there whereas not actually being active in the ring at this portion in his career piper as a commentator magsy your thoughts um I, I liked how he would try and wind Vince McMahon up and he mm-hmm. would kind of, he would be a good kind of uh, antagonist for, for Vince. Um, he's obviously the, the, there's no, they know Heenan and Gorilla or they know Jim Ross and, and uh, Jerry Lawler or Paul Heyman. Uh, but we've had worse commentators. I mean, um, the guy from uh, WCW, well, uh, Mark Madden, horrific commentator, and I think oh. Papa is a, a way way better commentator than him. So uh, I think Papa adds a little bit of knowledge of the wrestling uh, business uh, um, to his commentary. But yeah, he's he's not one of the best. No, I find it a bit shouty to be honest, and I think that's I mean, that's Papa though. Yeah, of course, of course, that is Piper. But then Piper in a Piper, Piper doing a promo, fantastic. Comes in, rants and raves. Don't always know what he's on about. Fair enough, but you you can't stop listening anyway. And then departs again. Great stuff. But you got him for three hours here. Mm-hmm. I think maybe it's a bit much. I suppose it's similar to the kind of the kind of slight I put on Mauro Ronello when we looked at NXT match in the past on the show. It's like you know on a level eight or nine all the time yeah rather ra- you know so we can only go up to a 10 so you're always kind of in that bracket of everything here is loud and brash when sometimes you need to bring it down a little bit to make the loudness more important when it's when it's required yeah and and it makes the the special moments less special if you are shouting and excited at absolutely everything that's going on mm, yeah yeah, exactly. Uh, before the match, we have a interview. Sean Mooney is speaking to Demolition, and they're, they're discussing which two of Demolition is going to actually wrestle the match because the third member of Demolition is banned from ringside, and that's something they need to decide. And quite interesting, I think it was Crush who referred to the Legion of Doom as second-rate imposters, <laughs> no. which is quite ironic when everyone talks about Demolition being created because 
McMahon couldn't get the Road Warriors when he initially wanted them. And ironic that that they mention it on TV that the the Legion of Doom were were these imposters and they just signed for the company like yeah. a month before. Uh, so um, it was clear Vince wanted the the storyline to be his real warriors versus those those second rate imposters. And I think this was uh, very early into Crusher's. Um, tenure as one of the as, as one of the the demolition uh group uh and they they were kind of like banding that they were allowed to use this three uh this uh free bird rule uh because it helps um kind of confuse their opponents when in reality i think it was uh bill uh bill Eady was axe he got got an ill uh i think he developed a, a seafood allergy uh, and vince um not wanting uh, to have demolition not on the card, uh, decided to put Crush in, in into the group. So he'd always have his tag team champions at the time uh, able to to compete. So yeah, and I think they were starting to kind of phase um, Bill out at this time. He was uh, he was obviously the the elder statesman of, of the group, and yeah, he, he didn't wrestle that many more matches after this. No, he had, I think it was heart issues, wasn't it? He had as well. Mm-hmm. Had some yeah. 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 The champs come out first, Magsy. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I get why, because the, the the Heart Foundation were were the faces, but it fucking annoys. It absolutely mm. annoys. Yeah, and me, and me. What a I, banger of an entrance theme, though. Oh, yeah, I love that entrance theme, but do you know what really annoyed me about it? That their um, entrance was interrupted to have an interview with, with the heart. Yeah, and again, this is where it sort of leans into my feeling of everything felt semi-rushed. It's like they had to get the interview in, so let's cut away from, from the entrance, you know? Yeah, um, and the the interview that they had as well went on way too long as well. Mm. Um, uh, Anvil kind of had to repeat himself over and over, uh, and when you have when you're facing a team at three with uh, the three bird rule, uh, there's there's kind of three different uh, ways that they could partner up, uh, one and two, uh, two and three. But uh, the the way that Brett got it got the partnership wrong on the first uh, time he mentioned it he says oh uh, i think it may be smashing uh, uh an axe and then he says oh and we're gonna go and be axe and crush and it wasn't then it was actually <laughs> smashing crush so he actually got it wrong on both parts of his interview which yeah. uh annoyed me a little bit and and to add to it he then quotes phil collins lyrics to end his promo which is quite intriguing and the anvil declares that he doesn't think so that's nice to know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> both both entrance themes here, though, absolutely rule. I, I love the original Heart Foundation music, and I liked that when Brett was a solo wrestler as well. And the Demolition theme is one of my all-time favourites. It's got that 80s metal kind of... Um, the voice that the guy singing, uh, Rick Derringer, he did Real American Hulk Hogan as well. And he sings a little bit... Yeah, Yeah. And, and here is the smasher. He's got a little bit of... In this, he's, he's got a little bit of Blackie Lawless from Wasp to it. And, of course, Wasp, one of my favourite bands. So, yeah, right up my street. When they get into the ring to start, though, they're at the wrong corners for me. When you watch WWF tag matches, especially in this era, the, they're 
not the 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 one yeah. team is in the the one team's in the top right, the other team's in the bottom left. It's normally top left, bottom right, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this it was. You're right. It was absolutely weird. Um, it it was not something I, that I picked up on whilst watching it, but now you mention it, seeing like uh, the back of 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 Crush and and Smash, yeah, it it does. It it was jarring. It mm. was really really jarring. Yeah, like not having your TV cabinet in a dead straight line and stuff. That sort of jarring that, when it's not. I mean, maybe not as bad as that. <laughs> um i've got a note here initially that said heart foundation take control early which i've crossed out because effectively for the first fall nobody really takes control properly do they it's quite back and forth for the first fall and there's no real sustained pressure from either team for for a long period i mean everyone's on people you know one team or the other is on top for a minute or two but there's no sort of sustained control of the match i feel yeah, uh, you're right. And what I did actually really like was the actual opening to this. It wasn't. Uh, it did, we didn't start start off with the the kind of standard uh, um, collar and elbow kind of tie up. We start with a tug of war with uh, with um, smashing and Bret Hart, which I thought was a really fun way of starting a match. And then obviously the two big guys start punching lumps out of each other. So I thought yeah. that was a, a cool start. <laughs> um, a lot of this match was was kind of playing on the the greenness of of Crush, uh, but also kind of how he was uh, the powerhouse. Uh, and we see uh, where Brett early in the match goes for the uh, the crossbody, a very uh, usually successful move for him. Mm. And Crush just absolutely just picks him out of the air and slams him. I thought that was a that was a a, a really good spot. Yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it just shows how powerful Crush was because Brett's not a small fella. But mm-hmm. sometimes when you see these guys run and jump and go for a crossbody or whatever, and the the other guy catches them, there is a momentary wobble or a foot goes back. Or but this was just, and it it wasn't even like Brett went up and and Brett cushioned it too much. Crush was just that strong. It was it was really impressive yeah. for me. Yeah, it it was like um, crossbody in a brick wall. There was just no movement in him whatsoever. Mm. Um, but Crush's. Uh, um freshness in the in the ring did it was the undoing to the to the team uh throughout the match but we obviously will get there uh, i think it, the the main part of this first fall was was anvil being kneed out of the out of the the apron and kind of like taking forever to get back into the ring and, and kind of leaving brett to take a lot of the a lot of the action um so to to kind of give demolition that first pin, um, so it, it 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 just adds to the excitement of the match, I suppose. Yeah, you tend to find, don't you, with a majority of, of two out of three falls matches, especially if the baby faces are going over, the the heels will win the first four because then you've got yeah. the, the good guys having to fight from underneath, haven't you? And and also you tend to find they end two one. You don't get. Me- I, I can think maybe a maybe a two that end two nil. I can't think of any more than that in all the years. It's I've been very, very rare. Very rare. Incredibly rare. Uh, the finish of the first fall, I mean, there's not masses to talk about there apart from the Crush crossbody spot. And I suppose one occasion where Crush gets his knee up into the back of somebody running the ropes as well um, to sort of try and turn the tide of the match, but it doesn't yeah, really... Yeah. It's, it's to Brett, I think. Yeah, but it doesn't really... You're thinking, okay, that's where the heels are going to take control because that was quite a heel tactic. 
But again, the control doesn't really sort of swing Demolition's way fully because it is quite back and <laughs> forth for the first four. And the first four concludes when Demolition basically nail their finisher which is, i've always thought it was a cool looking move the, the, the sort of backbreaker position with the elbow drop off the middle rope I, i've always quite like that yeah it was um is it the demolition decapitation i think it's called um, okay but the the setup i thought was actually uh pretty good as well where um crush uh oh no it's uh bret hart is pinning smash i think and crush comes in and just drops a massive hulk hogan style leg drop on onto the yeah. back of brett's head uh which then obviously leads to to him taking the pin and it's also really interesting that brett is the person taking the pin uh usually in 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 matches with the heart foundation it's it's either brett is getting the pin or it's it's anvil taking the pin so i thought that was uh pretty interesting but it it leads to uh the uh demolition being one nil up and uh the like i said the 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 faces have to fight from underneath yeah and the second four does start very much with them fighting from underneath doesn't it because they control the early part of the second the second four uh with brett being in the ring and demolition there I suppose going through the motions with various moves out of their arsenal. Eventually we get to a point where Brett does make a tag and then we see both teams are making quite quick tags back and forth for a few minutes. And again, it goes back to the sort of feeling of, I don't know whether they felt, okay, we've got two out of three fours. We know we've got certain spots to hit and they Mm -hmm. felt they had to do a lot of things quickly to get their stuff in to this short period of, of time they were given. I don't know, but the whole of the first four, felt quite intense and quick the the second four after that initial moment where they're beating on brett kind of went back into that for me as well quite back and forth but quick tags between the teams does does that make sense yeah it does and um i think when we see the hot tag to to nada the crowd absolutely love it because he is his wrestling is very rudimentary uh Mm -hmm. it's it's forearms uh power slams heavy hitting moves the the rhino that uh that we all know and love um and it's brett who does the 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 technical stuff but yeah i do agree with you that uh they it felt like they were given a time limit um and they they knew they had to work fast because we get to the third fall and obviously we've got some shenanigans going on um so yeah it it did seem like almost they were being told to wrap it up, which, which it kind of made the the match seem, like I said, rushed. Uh, but mm. the the finish of this, uh, well, the second fall is where the match kind of started to fall apart for me, because this is where this is the beginning of the inconsistency with the refereeing that uh, that really kind of annoyed me. Uh, so we we get. Um, we get the heart attack set up, uh, which uh, is is landed, and then usually when uh, when uh, there's a pin and the, the your tag partner's uh, still um, is not knocked out on the outside or is available, they'll come in and they'll interrupt the count. Usually, you only have to make contact with the person, and and the count's broken. But instead of doing that, Crush decides to jump over the pin to take out the referee then pick the referee up and, and essentially carry him to the corner um the the referee uh calls the disqualification which it looked almost confused um the crowd certainly didn't know uh know how to react uh we get a kind of a delayed celebration from from anvil but 
I, I this I understand. Uh, he should definitely be disqualified for for this part. Mm-hmm. But then when we get when we get to the the, the finish of the of, of the second part, surely Legion of Doom coming in and getting involved should have got a disqualification. Surely when the referee sees that the axe has been uh, hiding under the ring, we should have got a disqualification. But no, we we get. It, the match just carries on and we get a pin and it's that inconsistency with the refereeing that it just really grinded my gears yeah okay I, I'm going to play a little bit devil's advocate here as well it was that needed was a DQ here needed because it's not the end of the match I mean also I mean we're, we're virtually there now anyway aren't we because the second fall and third fall come at relatively quick pace and I am also quite mindful of, of, of the clock running in the corner of our screen there, Magsy, and how, how long we've been we're, we're being told to wrap it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll sort of cover the, the, the second fall and the third fall uh, together, comparing the, the, the issues there. The the second fall, obviously, as you said, what Crush has done, yes, warrants a disqualification. We're now at 1-1. That doesn't decide who wins the match. That's not the ultimate, uh, that's not the ultimate call. That's not the ultimate finish of the contest. The ultimate, the, the the third and decisive fall, is kind of a, a, a semi fluke roll up. You could always see it as a bit of a snatching the, the the match away from the opposition and so on, which is fine because then the the team that lose in that way, I still think look quite strong because it's anyone could just get rolled up quickly one two three on a distraction and that's that. It's got it's an old it's an old thing used in wrestling for years. Mm-hmm. So. The Heart Foundation have lost the first fall to Demolition's finish. Would it have hurt for Demolition to lose the second fall to the Heart Foundation's finish? We're then sat at one apiece, and then the third fall and the decisive, the decisive moment of the whole contest is booked in a way where, yes, the title switch happens, but Demolition still come out looking relatively strong, as it was here. So did the mm-hmm. DQ for the second fall, did that really... To me, that's overbooked. I don't think that. I don't think that's necessary. Is it a case of being overbooked, or is it a case of Crush being uh, an exuberant young wrestler, kind of going a little bit too far? Maybe that wasn't meant to happen, um, and they kind of called it on the fly. Like, like I said, Anvil uh, celebrates really kind of uh, very delayed. So maybe that was the referee calling it a little bit on the fly. Um, oh, okay. Perhaps it wasn't, but perhaps it was booked like that. If it was, you're right, it's very uh, unnecessary. It would, have, it would have actually made more sense for uh, for both teams to lose to the other team's uh, finisher and then make that, that third uh, pin uh, mean more. Like I said, keeps, uh, keeps the, the losing team strong. So you've always got that uh, chance of a rematch down the line, saying you only beat us by luck. Plus, mm-hmm. demolition. We're going into a, uh, the the storyline with the Legion of Doom, which keeps demolition looking strong. They only lost because of the Legion of Doom's uh, um, getting involved. That makes sense. Uh, but yeah, it it just it does seem overbooked. And then, especially when we get to this uh, to this third fall um, with uh, with Axe running out into the ring, hiding underneath, and, and the, the swaps that they do. Yes, it was unique. We didn't see it a lot in WF at that time, but it did feel overbooked. Uh, it, and then when Legion of Doom are coming down and dragging him out, and 
yeah, it just it just got silly, a little bit mm. silly for me. Okay, and again, I, I'm I'm going to put this back to potentially the time they have because there's a lot going on in that 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. If they were given 30 minutes, I don't think we would have had that same feel. I don't because the the second fall happening and then the the stuff with Axe and then the the chaos at the end, it would have been more spaced out and potentially more easy to digest as as the fan watching maybe it Mm -hmm. is the condensed time a contributory factor to the the sort of messy ending potentially yeah and i think you're right and and if you look at um cards of this era historically there a lot of the match a lot of the matches didn't get a lot of time unless you were in the the main event or Mm. um you didn't get a lot of a lot of ring time. I mean, you're looking at a card with 11 matches on that that is over in less than three hours. They they run through these cards uh, in in the early 90s. So the fact that it got nearly 15 minutes is, I think, it's actually the longest match on this card. When I uh, when I checked, I think they got even more yeah. time than than Hogan and, and Earthquake. Um, but you're right; it needed it needed at least 10 more minutes. Mm. Just to let certain things breathe, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, okay, with regards to the whole axe hiding under the ring, and then Smash gets knocked out, he goes under the ring to sort of, I suppose, recover. Well, he, gets no- he gets knocked out of the ring. That's what I mean, he yeah, not knocked out, knocked out. But- yeah, he gets one punch in the face and then rolls out to the floor. So surely he wouldn't have needed to to be switched out then. So it, it mm. kind of didn't make sense. But anyway, Axe did slide into the ring. I mean, you could clearly tell the blokes apart. One has wild, straggly hair, and the other one's got more hair gel than than anyone who's ever worn hair gel. So surely you would have known <laughs> the difference. See, that was going to be my point. It, that That is where it got silly for me. Everything up to this point, I'm looking at it as this is 1990 WWF. This is cartoon era, golden mm-hmm. era WWF. I can deal with what I've seen so far. The axe hiding under the ring, switching places, so they got a fresh man in the ring and so on. I think it's a great idea, but in practice, it doesn't quite work because you can so obviously tell. It's not like the Bellas doing the whole twin magic get up. Mm-hmm before one of them developed much larger curves, shall we say, than her sister. And you could easily tell them apart. It's it's not like that. When the Bellas looked identical, they would switch, and you'd be like, okay, well, what's going on? Here, mm-hmm. I mean, Axe is going bold, for crying out loud. And, <laughs> <laughs> it, they look nothing alike. It, it, it feels, I mean, looking at it in the cold light, it's, it's insulting to... Th- the the fans mm. that people think that this would work. I mean, how good of a of a referee must Earl Hebner be if he can't tell Axe and Smash it apart? He need he needed his fight his uh, papers before uh, he got caught with that bootleg t shirts. Yeah, exactly, mate. Exactly. <laughs> um, and ultimately, as we said, the Heart Foundation go on to win the match. Uh, the, the Legion of Doom arrive. Um, to a great reaction. I mean, to be fair, the crowd all the way through this match was brilliant. They were they were wild for the Heart Foundation. They were they were booing Demolition. They were they were really invested in this, and I think they helped make it a better match potentially than it than it was <laughs> if you were viewing it without the audience. I suppose Legion of Doom come down, get involved. They drag 
the third demolition member out from under the ring. It all ends up a bit a bit messy then, doesn't it? People on the apron and so on. Yeah, I mean, just before that, we 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 do see uh, quite a unique move um, where um, Anvil essentially power slams Brett oh, into yeah. Smash for a pin, which I thought was uh, unique, brave, brave of Brett to let that happen. Mm. But that was unique. But yeah, then we get to uh, I think the ref is distracted by uh, crushing and Anvil fighting, and then we see. Uh, Axis Smash going to to do the the uh, the demolition decapitation. That's when Legion of Doom come out, kind of like uh, pull acts from underneath the ring, uh, tell the referees like the little baby bat snitches that they are. Um, again, this is where the referees should have thrown the match out because one um, Legion of Doom have come in and attacked uh, demolition. That's a disqualification. Two. Yep. There's clearly three of demolition around the ring. One of them was meant to be banned. That's a disqualification. But yep. no, we we're allowed to to carry on. Uh, and and Brett picks up the 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 pin and and gets victory. I get the point. Uh, it's the good guys have prevailed uh, and they haven't had to win by shenanigans. But it just it was just so inconsistent and it really really annoyed me. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I can appreciate that, mate. I can appreciate that. How much does your annoyance affect your rating, though? Because ultimately, as a 15-minute mid-card match, I think there's quite a bit there to enjoy. But I, I can appreciate where you're coming from with the annoyance of, of those aspects. So where do we stand? Yeah, um, like I said, this wasn't the best match that we've seen from from both teams. It was a good TV match for me, um, but any match with Bret Hart um, is always going to be better than a standard match. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't offensive. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed watching it. It went. It flew by. There were things that I certainly wouldn't have booked. I mean, not that I'm a wrestling booker, but things that looked ridiculous uh, back in 1990. I might have thought totally different and I might have really been uh, invested in it. The crowd was certainly invested. Um, so considering all that, um, I think a six is a fair, a fair amount. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm, I'm a bit higher, mate. I got a seven for this week. Okay. Uh, because I, I fully take on board your points about the inconsistent refereeing some of the nonsense with Axe swapping in and out, the Legion of Doom getting it, all all that sort of stuff. And I appreciate that they've tried to cram a lot into this. I mean, it didn't need to be two out of three fours, did it? Let's be honest. If you've got 15 minutes, have it to one fall and be done with it. I mean, it didn't need to be that stipulation unless you're going to give them more time. However, from the very first moment, seeing Demolition being interviewed, the music, then the Heart Foundation's music, you know that the Brett and Anvil and Demolition there wrestling and and you know all of it, just huge nostalgia vibes for me. And it's it's fifteen minutes that I I really enjoyed. Yes, it's rough around the edges. It really is. And there's not anything of massive substance wrestling wise to discuss. We were really picking at average at best spots with the crossbody mm-hmm. catch and so on. But at the same time, I mean, I can't sit here now. I couldn't run through this match moment for moment with anybody because i don't really know what, what of anything of substance to explain but i know i had a good time watching it so for me mm. i think a seven is seven is okay i mean that's fine um 
I get why uh, you would go that uh, that half, but just for me, the little inconsistencies, the fact it felt rushed, um, mm-hmm. the the kind of insulting the the the, the fans with the the switcheroos, uh, yeah, it, it it took away from the match for me. Yeah, no, that's fair enough, mate. That's fair enough. So then, where to next week? What are we going to have on the poll? for the CWF to choose from for us to look at next Monday night, Magsy. First of all, before we get there, Cameron in the chat, do we clap now? <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Um, so I don't know if you actually mentioned this in, in uh, the intro to this match, but um, where was this match held? Well, where was this the event held? Spectrum in Philadelphia. Okay, and the Spectrum in Philadelphia is not had a lot of wrestling um there they they did do another event one that got mentioned earlier on in the show um this was where they had king of the ring 1995 oh magsy don't do it (laughs) but okay those are the only two um wbf uh shows that they had on after that they kind of was it was a a staple for wcw okay um not big events, but they had a few Nitros uh, and a couple of Thunders there. Um, and one of the the Nitros sticks out like a, a sore thumb. Now, it's uh, the Nitro on the 18th of October, 1999. Now, as a, a WCW historian, uh, as, as such as yourself would know, that's a significant date in WCW history because... That was the date when um, Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara had full control. That was the first show that they had full right, control okay. of WCW. Uh, again, so, I mean, uh, it's a bit grey for me. I remember it being Russo time, but I didn't realise that was the exact date that they took over. Okay. Yeah, this was the first episode of Natural that they were in charge. Oh, good and, God. <laughs> and you know what it's going to be? It's going to be a fucking shit show. And it is. It's an absolute shit show. But there's some big stars in in uh, WCW in 1999. Um, And there's a big match on this this show. It's um, for the world title. Sting is the champion. And in yet another link, he's facing Bret Hart. So... Ah, okay. I want to go, not that we will, because I never win polls now. It's just getting beyond a joke, people. But I want to go to uh, to October 18th, 1999, edition of Monday Nitro to watch Sting versus Bret Hart for the WCW World Championship. Oh, see, Sting and Bret Hart in WCW, they had a few matches dotted around. And I always find any time they, they went up against each other, absolutely, it intrigues me. I don't know if it's because they both use the same finishing move or because for so long they were both on the opposite sides of the fence. But yeah, to me, it's, it's a really big deal. These two these two characters, these two personalities in wrestling crossing paths. So that, oh, that fascinates me, mate. I think I'm going to vote for you this week. That absolutely fascinates me. So that's one vote. And it's funny as well, you using the arena to pick a WCW match. Have you been like? Have you stole my notes? <laughs> have you picked 
the arena as well is the arena your no 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 the, the arena's not how i've linked it no but that's normally what i what i go for a wcw contest linking the arena is an old staple but I, th- I think yeah i think i've used the arena link like one time um so i thought i'm gonna mix it up i haven't used the arena for a while and i always find it so saw... interesting looking back at all the old shows and that's yeah, been the, in that the, building the, and... this arena um in terms of wrestling it's not not a huge arena but it's had some major like music concerts elvis mm. has played there um frank sinatra elton john yes fleetwood mac pink floyd billy joel queen rush nine inch nails whitney houston madonna bruce springsteen it's 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 pretty much like a who's who of of, of musical um talent have gone through gone through the spectrum fair play fair play be a good place to live by i suppose be a good place to live by I'm going back in time, Magsy. Back in time from 1990 for my selection. But I'm not going back in time and choosing WCW or Jim Crockett Promotions or NWA. We're not watching Lance Von Erich versus (laughs) Ric Flair. (laughs) If I could link to Lance Von Erich, but no, I wouldn't wouldn't do it. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to use Bret Hart as the link. But initially, that wasn't my choice. I enjoyed watching this tag match from, I suppose, the the golden era, as it's often referenced. And the late 80s is a great time for tag wrestling on both sides of the coin, I suppose, both major promotions. Jim Crock Promotions and WCW, NWA, etc. You had the Horsemen. You, you, had, you had so many, rock and roll. You had the Midnights and all that. WWF, you had the Rougeos. You had, obviously, the Hart Foundation, Demolition. There's so many great teams on both sides of the fence. Now... I was looking for a great tag match to to have, to, to view, to watch. But when I was doing that, something else popped up. And I was like, I've never seen this. I didn't even know this match existed. I didn't even know these two guys ever faced each other. And they're two of my all-time favorites. And that is using Bret Hart as the link. And it's on the network, and I'll tell you how to find it in a minute. Using Bret Hart as the link. There is a match on the WWE Network under the home video section. So when you're looking at all the old recordings, like UK Rampage tapes and all that sort of stuff. Uh, And it's the the story of the Heart Foundation, which was released 88, 89, something like that. Real old VHS tape. But it's Bret Hart in singles action, even though he was still part of the Heart Foundation here. And it's a match from... uh, It took place in Boston on the 8th of March, 1986. I'm assuming just for a house show or TV taping or something like that. And again, it's around the time of WrestleMania 2. And this was supposed to be on the card for WrestleMania 2, but got dropped because of various other issues. And I would like to look at a young Bret Hart versus a pretty much almost in his prime Ricky Steamboat from Ooh. the 8th of March, 1986. And as I said, you can find this if you go into the um, the WWE Network, dive into all the, li- the, the, the other options further down the list, find the home video section, and then look for the Hart Foundation. I think it's almost a two-hour videotape that they've uploaded on there and it's on there and it's Bret Hart versus Ricky Steamboat I don't know anything about this um, other than Stone Cold Steve Austin references it quite often on his podcast saying he really loved this match I've never seen it I mean Bret's wearing black and yellow which is bloody strange but wow in the in the still images I've seen I and again 86 Wrestlemania 2 Brett's not in his prime yet. Steamboat's probably just coming up to his. I would find that really intriguing to watch. But at the same time, 
old WCW Sting versus Brett. Fucking hell. I'm happy either way, mate. <laughs> yeah, again, uh, I think it's like the third or fourth week in a row where either pick would be yeah would be really good to to watch. So yeah, um, sounds good. There we go. Then those are your options for this week's poll, which will be up on the Chain Wrestling Twitter account at Chain underscore Wrestling on Twitter. Uh, after the audio version comes out later in the week, we you can vote for either a bit of Bret Hart in WCW in 99 facing Sting for the WCW World Title on the 18th of October, 99 WCW Monday Nitro. I mean, that's, that's huge. Two of the biggest names to ever do it facing off for a world title there. Mm-hmm. Fantastic stuff. Or we can go back in time to 1986 and a house show match, a TV taping, whatever it may well have been, uh, where we get to see Bret Hart face Ricky Steamboat, both very early on in their careers there, well, much earlier than, yeah. So there we go. Those are your options. Again, the poll will be up later in the week for you all to jump on and vote. Mr. Mags, do you want to let everyone know whereabouts they can find you online and stuff, my friend? Yes, um, I mean, I am still not very social media um apologies to anyone who's uh tried to get in contact with me on on twitter i'm not being ignorant i'm just not going on twitter as as much uh or any social media uh but Fair you enough. can still follow me there if you if you wish down here on the twitter at podfather mags or on tiktok at mags all pods um yeah come and check me out i will eventually get back to it i promise <laughs> to be honest mate half the time i think to myself is this worth the bullshit you know on twitter but i think we've also got our group of friends who are fantastic so yeah i mean i love the the people who who, who i interact with uh the guys in, and and gals in the scene are amazing uh, but i have not felt as refreshed as i do with not not kind of searching twitter all day it's such a refreshing feeling to to not be bound to it so it is good fair enough pal fair enough uh you can find me on twitter at sjp words and on facebook there's a group there sjp all the shows and info and both of those are just well ways of contacting me first of all but also where i share links to all the shows i'm involved in we have the Doctor Who pod that we record with our good friend Dan Griffin. New episodes every Tuesday. And, well, literally, and I suppose as this is live now, 55 minutes, you can hear Dan and I, our thoughts on the Colin Baker story, Vengeance on Barros. Uh, we also have a bit more wrestling that I do with Scottish Danny, looking at WCW one show at a time from the very first Nitro all the way through to the end of that company's existence. The Waiting Room pod as well, looking at Quantum Leap one episode at a time. Going to be taking a little bit of a hiatus whilst real life gets in the way, but it will be back with you very, very soon. You can track that down via my Twitter as well uh, and revisit our first season and our first few episodes of season two. But most importantly... You can follow this show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and that TikTok thingamajig jig at chain underscore wrestling. That's at chain underscore wrestling. And that is where you will find the poll, the non-wrestling topic, and all that stuff. Thank you so, so much to the CWF, to everybody who retweeted stuff, sent in their suggestions, sent in their non-wrestling topics, uh, got involved with voting for the poll, everything. As Magsy and I say all the time, if it ain't for you, this show don't exist. We appreciate you hugely. 
Absolutely. I couldn't I couldn't add any more to that. You guys are the absolute best. There we go. I agree, mate. I agree. I'm off now to watch King of the Ring 1995 because I refuse to believe there is a pay-per-view that Shawn Michaels cannot save. Magsy, I'll speak to you next week, my friend. Here comes the crush and there is the <laughs> smasher. See you later, guys.